0: Hi,
1: this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and today we're going to be running an RPG called Lone Wolf Fist, developed by Joel Clark. He's running it for my Tuesday game group, and uh, and yeah, so I'll, I'll let Joel grab the mic and and give an explanation of what the game is.
2: Man, I really wish I had like a mic stand so I could literally like grab it and like wrestling announce right into my face. That'd be great. Prepare yourselves, kind of thing. Uh, but no, uh, okay, so you just want me to kind of give you an intro of what the game's about?
1: Yeah, just, I don't know, just tell us, just tell pe- just people that are listening that don't know what the hell we're doing. Um, okay, that's
2: fine. Um, so, to give you the brief version, if you like Fist of the North Star, if you like Kung Fu and the Post-Apocalypse, this this is your game. Uh, it's, uh, for, for those who have been following the development of Wuxia tabletop role-playing games, and I mean, who hasn't, amongst we amongst gentlemen of leisure... Uh, this is a successor to Legends of the Wulin, which is itself a successor to Weapons of the Gods, which has some DNA with the one-roll engine. Uh, in in the terms of the, the foolish plebeians who have not been following that, basically what happens is you have a little pool of D-10s and you roll them in match sets, and also you have cool kung fu powers, and that's it. So, uh, probably the most underwhelming pitch I've ever made. Well, and but I, I should see, say, and, and, and a really
1: like, cool rule about Dharma, which um, I'm very intrigued by,
2: uh, yeah, that, that, that shares a little uh, little DNA with um, one of the many versions of the Marvel role-playing system. There's, there's actually two that this owes a little bit to. Uh, the old Marvel face rip system. I actually took their their chart that they had, and I, I did some development on that, and I made my own charts for this game. So there's a little DNA there. And also the uh, the Marvel heroic role-play that was based on the Cortex system. Uh, the Dharmas have a lot in common with that, and also some of uh, Dr. Jenna Moran's writings, and like Chubo's Marvel Swiss Engine and stuff like that. Uh, that's a, a kind of an esoteric ancestor, but the basic idea uh, is that you roleplay in certain kind of weird ways, and that gets you XP. You can also go and fight monsters, and get XP, because you know I'm a classic guy like that.
1: And anyway, so oh, and, and I just want to add, uh, we're on Skype, and Skype has been very difficult lately. So if people if people drop, difficult and have
0: problems. I'm sorry. Difficult is polite.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would say difficult is polite. Skype has become awful in the past year or two, and so we're looking towards moving the channel to Discord or something in terms of recording. But for right now, we're still stuck on Skype, and we, you know, if we encounter technical problems. We apologize, um, but but it, it, it's all Skype's fault. We've been doing everything right.
3: Um, so. It's not an advertisement for Skype. Damn No, No. <laughs> so. Okay, yeah, so you can me, tell
1: I'm an angry letter writer just by, you know, when I when I, when I get a product
0: I don't like. such a grandpa move. <laughs> yeah. Dear Mr. Skype,
4: <laughs> I am terribly disappointed with the service you have provided me thus far.
2: This last fortnight has been intolerable. Yeah, that's what's going to go Indeed. on. Yeah, there will probably be angry letters that you will write to me about this game, because unfortunately it is not completely completed. I'm still working on the montage scenes, which... I know you're super excited about That's why Hopefully I'm here. I've got enough in my head. It's
0: going to be
2: a montage. Montage. <laughs> oh, you have to call them montage scene. <laughs> got you. Oh, actually, I love them so much I made them a reward for players. So they're a little really? bored But I think, uh, I think we'll enjoy them. Anyway, uh, let me give you guys, let me give the the viewers and as well as the, my wonderful players here, the rundown. The, the basic thing is you're all one of these seven heroes I've showed you. These are my attempt at having a kind of like icon or splat characters. So they're all kind of like indicative of their factions. I've got one for the Golden Lions, one for the Five Star Spirits, on and on for all the seven different factions. And the reason there's seven is twofold, by the way. Uh, first of all, somehow the number seven just kept cropping up like seven and multiples of seven in the writing of the rules. So I was like, okay, seven factions. I, I hate myself, so I'll do this work seven <laughs> times. Uh, And the second thing is it's actually a little nod to Vampire the Masquerade, which had seven clans classically. Uh, That seems to be, like, kind of the magic number. And also plus one because the Tremere suck. Uh, (laughs) Moving moving on from that, you're all from a member of one of these clans. And you're all heroes. You kind of share a cosmic destiny to bring this world back from the apocalypse that destroyed it. So that's why you're all friends. More or less, you've adventured together for a little while. You've formed a sort of loose martial brotherhood. And you don't have to like each other necessarily, but you cooperate for whatever reason. So, because I don't, I'm not really big on introductory sessions. I'm all like, yeah, yeah, you know each other. Go fight monsters. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's so, kind of how I do things too, so that's... F- <laughs> we, we could do introductory sessions. Like, I, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go back on that a little bit, because the other thing I wrote, uh, uh, Tian Shang, All Above Heaven, Act 1, is an introductory session. So... It's just one player meets another player, but it's only two players. I got five. So I had to wing it. Can I, can
1: can I ask a question about my character, Joel? Yes. Okay. All right. So, so I'm playing cave Buffalo and I'm a huge gentle savage that shepherds his mutant family through the darkness below the world. My question is, who do I regard as my mutant family? Does that extend to the other player characters or is that just anyone who's a member of the brotherhood of freaks?
2: That's people that remember the Brotherhood of Freaks. Okay. Uh, basically, the Brotherhood are... Uh, remember the mutants from Futurama? It's them, except okay. it's the post-apocalypse. Okay. <laughs> Almost everything can be described in terms of where I stole it from. So,
5: okay. <laughs> has, anyone, okay. has anyone else picked their character I, yet? What? Has anyone else picked their character yet? Because I see, I was, see, uh,
0: I was yeah. thinking of my of my one. I was thinking about going as Silk Phoenix. Oh. If uh, you want me. to go as Adam. No, I can go with it i sure because, because rad, I don't want so. you to another one. I can do that.
5: I'm torn uh, Sage and nuke.
0: Adam, you're the one who bought up characters first. I think Desert Sage You so. have to okay. to me I on base, will please.
5: go with Silver Phoenix then. Yeah, you I'm will be, be Silver go. Phoenix. I will choose another one. I want
2: Nuke. That is actually the faction name for the record. Um, so let me see. His actual name. Yeah, because it should be faction name on top and then character name underneath the art.
5: Oh, I see. Oh, oh so, it's so it's Spiteful, Spiteful Prince. Prince. Spiteful Prince. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you'll
0: be Spiteful Prince. Steve, who are you going as? I wanna go Nuke. Kenny? You gotta go Nuke, nice. yeah. Desert Sage. Nuke is great. You're going to be Desert Sage. Okay. In which case I think I will be Stoneblade.
4: Stoneblade.
0: She's Stone a treasure.
2: Uh, she, I think she's the most anime ish character I put in here. Which is freaking saying something.
0: I've but she's got almost, a lot of experience like, with anime.
2: I'm literally like yeah. Avdol from Joker. Okay, so some stuff I did want to draw you guys' attention to, since I've got you all here, my little captive audience. Um, first of all, please ignore the stolen art. The document I sent to all of them, for the again, for the benefit of our viewers who aren't seeing this, is about equal parts art I've actually purchased for the game. It's going to be like splat art for the game. And art that I have stolen for purposes of just getting the visual across to future artists. So like uh, spiteful prince and silver phoenix is just Laharl from Disgaea because I love him so much. Uh, but the, the eventual art will look like that. But to go back to the players for a second, okay. So what you should be seeing is faction name, art, character name, then a really brief like italicized description of like what they're about. It's really like a sentence. I just I it's your character now, so just a little bit to kind of drive you in there. Uh, the next thing is going to be your dharma. The way Dharma works is it just, it, again, it gives you a little description of what your kind of cosmic destiny is. And this is the thing that sort of drives you out to go and seek Kung Fu and do cool stuff in the world. So what what this does is there's there's two ways to interact with it. Every scene you can do one of these things and get karma for it, which is our version of XP. Uh, there's positive and negative. Basically, whenever you want to get one of those things, just tell me that you're going for it add a character and then describe how you're doing it. And then that, you do whatever action that is. And you get a karma for it. You'll note, looking at them, that a lot of them are kind of benign. They're like, oh, do something nice for someone. And some of them are things like, put a disobedient or traitorous underling in their place. You won't always get the opportunity for that, but it's a very characterful thing to do to kind of push yourself towards that destiny. Do I need to... Both of them will get you experience. Mm -hmm. Yep, just depends on which one you want to do. The negative ones also get you experience, but you also get a resource called Zooey. And I can spin Zooey to make bad stuff happen. Uh, so think of it as the the GM karmic come up and stat that's what that's uh, for
1: Do I need to draw your attention to that whenever I'm going in either direction there? Like if I do something positive or negative should I say Joel this fits with my my dharma? Yeah,
2: Draw draw my attention to it because you still need to have GM approval about whether or not that's a that's a strong enough action to hit the trigger okay. You can do it once the have seen
0: Can I ask okay. is there a reciprocal me- uh, mechanism for positive interactions?
2: Yeah, like right there. If you do a positive one, you just straight up get karma. Uh, the, the drawback to those is that usually they're a little bit harder than the negative ones. The negative ones are kind of like, if, if you don't want to have something difficult happening right now, usually the negative ones are more like the lazy ones. You know, like, mm-hmm. obey another's command. Okay, that's kind of out of character for me, but gets me dharma. On the other hand, at some point I'm going to grab your zooey and say, okay, a mercenary shows up to kill you. Or some mm-hmm. other similar thing will befall you. So, yeah, the, the idea behind those is that the positive ones are more difficult or cause more uh, more short-term havoc, and the negative ones is kind of like lurking havoc. All right, uh, after that, it's archetype, which there's three kinds. Basically, you have guy who's strong, guy who's smart, and guy who has magic. Uh, so strong hero, uh, cunning hero, and enlightened hero. And those are going to influence your effort pool, which is the number of D10s you roll to get ma- try to get matching sets to do stuff. Uh, Your health should all be 5. That advances at different rates, but that's more of a later game thing you have to worry about. Uh, Health is actually in the form of little boxes, each one with 10 HP each. When you get hit, you can either die, or you can spend uh, HP out of your little health boxes uh, to blunt the blow. The more damage you take, the worse it is. Every time you spend all 10 of one of the boxes, you get an imbalance, just like a lingering injury. If you lose all of them, you die. Well, you don't necessarily die, you just get knocked unconscious, or die. So that's how that works. Uh, the focus slots are interesting. After you're done rolling your, your dice and matching sets, if you have any left over, you can save them in your focus slots. It's one die or one action per focus slot. So like, for example, Spiteful Prince here has one focus slot. He's an enlightened hero. He's got more magic than he has focus. Uh, so that can do, you can use that one of two ways. You can either save one of your dice so that next time you roll, you effectively have another die to match, which is really useful. You can also save an action there. So like, say, you want to use um, your telekinesis power to lift up something heavy with your mind, with that guy. You can save that from turn to turn and keep that thing lifted up as long as you're holding the action there. So that's the other thing that focus can do. So it's actually a pretty powerful little stat. The next thing is chakra. There's two varieties. Uh, Open chakra gets you magic go-go juice called prana. Uh, if I had a little more time to prep, I would be. Sorry. I would have written down the exact amount it would have given you. Uh, you might want to make a note of this because it's going to come up pretty consistently in combat. Uh, for every open chakra, you get you start out with ten prana, and you get two more per turn. It's called a, a pool of ten and a refresh of two. Uh, slumbering chakra are things that you can access. You can like pop them open and have more power later on. And the way you do that is you just take a spirit action. So you just get a, a rank two or higher spirit action, you can open one of those up. And they have a, a couple of things that make them a little complicated that I'll get into in combat, but that's the basics of how that works. Uh, weapons just give you little bonuses. I'll tell you what they are when they come up. Masteries are... There are seven skills in this game, uh, which I didn't bother to write down one list because I'm lazy, but <laughs> there are seven skills in this game. Uh, and a mastery just gives you basically a plus one rank. In other words, another effectively another matching die for whenever you do a certain skill. So like for example, going back to Spikeful Prince again, he has intellect. So he's smarter than other people. So if he got uh, if he if he rolled his his you know die pool and he got a set of two twos, so he got a twenty two, if he did an intellect action with that, if that's what he chose to do with it, it would be bumped up by one rank, so it would go from twenty two to thirty two. That happens just all the time. It's really nifty to have those. Uh, everything else on the character sheet is techniques, which is your magic superpowers. Those are complex enough that they're like spells in D&D. The very most basics of those are the cost up there is how much Prawn it is to use the technique. The rank is how many, uh, how much it boosts up your 10s column. So again, a rank one for, like say, destructive force here would make it go from 22 to 32, 44 to 54, that kind of thing. The facing is the facing of the the set of dice you're trying to boost so if i roll if you roll a d10 whatever number is on top is the facing i rolled a two in this case so a single two is a 12 number of number of dice is the tens column the facing is the ones column so if i rolled another two it would have been 22 another two it would have been 32 etc the facing on destructive force says that i can only match that technique with a die that is facing four through nine so four five six seven eight nine I can, boost those te- I can boost those sets. Anything else I can't do. So this 2, I couldn't boost it with destructive force. I could with telekinesis, the next one, which is 0 to 6. It uh, just basically gives you a range of stuff you can boost with it. Uh, the effect is the magic power it gives you. Uh, there's keywords like offense, generally used for attacking, defense, only for defense. Those are the really big ones. And then the last thing there is a skill. Uh, much like a mastery, you can use your techniques to boost one of your skills. And most skills are capped at a rank 6. Uh, techniques allow you to to bend or break that ceiling, okay. so that's how you get the really crazy level. I blow up a building with my mind powers, and that's the game. In in short and in brief, just so you gotta have an idea of what your character sheets are telling you. <laughs> okay, all right. Questions? We, I don't to see the smashing I think. Yeah, yeah I kind
1: of learn by doing, so I think I'll. Uh... Yeah,
2: that's the thing. You'll learn it. it. It's very intuitive when you're doing it because you'll you'll talk about a you'll use a plain language sentence like I want to lift up a train with my mind and slam it into the bad guy and like all of the parts of that will click into place i'm just autistic and so i made certain to be really specific about which rules are being used when for that (laughs) anyway any questions before i actually start this beast or are we are you guys we're ready
1: i think we're ready and we got an hour so i'd
0: say i've got one thing yeah you keep on referring to prana Mm. um is this a specific stat or kind of like pool of resources that we should see on our character, or is it just a generic thing that we build up through gameplay? Uh,
2: it's, it's the generic resources one. You can also build it up through gameplay. Uh, to give you guys an idea of exactly how much you have, for every open chakra you have, you just have yeah. 10 sitting on your character sheet. Uh, unless okay. you're an enlightened character, you'll probably only have 10. Enlightened ones will have 20. Uh, and you'll get more and spend as it as the game goes on and on. So do make a note of that. Uh, again, if I had just a touch more time to prep, you would probably have seen that on a character sheet. If you look at the actual sheet I sent over, there's a, so there's there's a bunch a- of chakra on the left side, and then there's oh. a big pool where they all are. Okay. Yeah, and like usually I would use like glass beads or dice or something to sit in there to kind of give you an idea of how many you have. Because it does go up and down a bit. It is a resource that jumps all around during combat. So, okay.
3: so, so this is a quick lore thing, so Prana turns into specifically specific element in Chakra, or...? Uh, there's
2: there's a bunch of, like, elemental stuff that can happen, so like, uh, for example, the, the person playing Nuke over there, whose name I've already forgotten, my bad. Like I remember your character name. Steve? Okay. Well, Steve, I'm gonna forget your name again. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I really fall. I do it all the
6: time. <laughs>
2: I, mean, I remember. I remember Adam's name and Brennan's name. Everyone else, I, I got a Kenny. Is there a Kenny? Raise your hand.
6: There okay, there guy. you
2: go. You're Kenny. All right, so I knew one of you was named Kenny. I didn't know which one it was. <laughs> Try not to fill your character. It's such a stereotype at this point. Um, <laughs> you guys get
1: South Park, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, Gen X humor, my favorite variety. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I lost my train of thought. Kenny, Kenny, they must do that
1: to you all the time, by the way, huh? You must get, like, constant they killed Kenny jokes.
0: Back in high school, yeah. Once, <laughs>
3: once, once I sort of moved on to uni and work, less so.
0: <laughs> <Not> Just <laughs> wait until we get them some together.
3: They'll they come back to you. It turns out that like, hey. teleconferences aren't the best time to say, oh my god, you're Kenny! Well, oh.
2: If <laughs> so I was my so star of South Park isn't shining quite as bright anymore, but also, Kenny's a fairly common name, so... But if I do inadvertently kill your character first, I deeply apologize.
6: <laughs>
2: anyway, um... But yeah, the person playing Nuke's character has a bunch of fire-based magic. That's really cool because your your techniques interact with that. If there's more disasters around, which you cause by burning stuff, you get more Prana with some of your other techniques. So that's really neat and very specific. And sometimes your Fire Shocker will will help you with that. But it's all like on a on a per a per name basis, kind of like there's not like a general rule about a oh, Fire Shocker always does this. The older games did have that, but that was too much of a migraine for the other stuff I was doing. So I was like, "I'm just going to put that in the side, and then if we want to play with it, we can. But not, not a core thing. We're not going to do that. Uh, it's just a lot easier that way. Okay. Because it used to be, it used to be that every time you had a different kind of color of chi come in, it would change like your physical appearance or your emotional state, and the chi spent differently on different techniques." And it was a lot to keep track of. And it, it wasn't very well-balanced. So I was like, ah, nah, I'm not going to... I'm just, no. Nah. I'm going to keep the names, because I might need them for something later. But uh, that's that's what I'm... Neh. So yeah. Uh, thankfully, that's a lot more simple than you'd think. Anyway.
3: Well, for the purposes of this play test, we could ignore
2: that entire left column. It's it's useful to have. Because okay. like they could tell you... Uh, you have certain chakra that are slumbering. A certain number. I don't care which ones you choose. But... During a combat, you can open them up and get more prana from them. It's it's a resource that's used to to kind of um, pace combats. So that's that's one of the big claims to fame of of something that I actually designed for the game is that you get your magic go go juice during fighting. It's not just something that just sits around and slowly dwindles. You actually open it up and increase it during combat, which other games do that. Like the third edition of Exalted does that. Uh, a few other different games do that. But if you do it the other way, where you just have a big pool of power sitting, what you have is games that are awesome at first, and then immediately go into a failure spiral. This has a more kind of weird, uneven jankiness to it, which I love. I love the janky stuff. I'm super technical terms here. I'm sorry if I'm losing you guys with all this this highbrow text Uh. I'm throwing out there. (laughs) My melon hammer is one of those
1: giant, round hammers that looks like a, a round watermelon, right?
2: It's, it is. It's like a round watermelon on a stick, and you're gonna smash somebody's skull with it. It's gonna be great. If I ever get around to actually making this game start, uh, I lost somebody whose name I forgot. Uh, oh no, no, he, oh, he, he just
1: popped like, out for a minute. He'll he'll be back. back. That was Steven. Just Steven.
5: Oh my. Out, I'm gonna need to duck out at ten till you know ten till the end of this hour or whatever that hour is for you. So I apologize. Yes.
3: Wow,
5: well, i know. shouldn't apologize. I'm gonna not. hit that out. Oh, you should I don't apologize don't
2: like and it. so yeah. shit. It's gonna be. It's going to be very brief. I should probably start you guys in media res since it's going to be kind of brief. My initial thought of this, I, I made this whole city. Let me actually show you. I made a whole big old thing. And uh, I'm thinking I overprepped by more than I should have. Because there's a, there's different scales in this game. The The goal of the, the prep, I don't know if you can see that very well. The goal of the prep is to kind of make everything so that it's like a dungeon crawl. So even when you're outside, you're basically crawling through a dungeon. You go from area to area, which is kind of equivalent of going from room to room. There's encounter charts, similar to the the wandering monster charts. The whole idea of prepping it that way was so that you could it seamlessly go from battle to exploration and back and forth, which is great. My initial thought of this was, okay, I got this big, cool jungle with a, with a haunted city in it. I'm going to have them enter from the west and then kind of slowly go east and explore all this stuff. We only got an hour. So what I'm going to do instead <laughs> is say that that already happened. You guys... Uh, we're going through this, these desert wastes after your most previous adventure. Uh, encountered a jungle which seemed relatively safe compared to just slowly getting irradiated to death. Went inside and immediately got beset by headhunters. Uh, you took care of them and are now going deeper and deeper into the jungle. So we're just going to start you start you right there. So it's just a it's just a un, un poco easier than otherwise. So let me uh, get one of these mini little mini maps that I did here. Yeah, there we go. We'll just start you off in good old scrap town because it gives you a nice like, kind of post-apocalyptic vibe. Again, if I'd had to touch more time to prep, there would have been a much flowery description, but I'm just gonna kind of skip past that part. Um, you're going through this deep and dense jungle, and you it slowly starts to thin out, and you find yourself in the ruins of a post-apocalyptic city. A fairly decent sized one, none of the buildings are like skyscraper tall but there are still buildings here that it's all vine choked and overgrown and there are teeming masses of people doing stuff you can you can smell burning steel and uh, and gasoline and such like so there's habitation and industry here you can hear people uh, making noises there's someone making some kind of speech far enough away that their words just this kind of garble but you can hear you can hear the occasional boom of their voice and the roar of the crowd afterwards so that's what you guys stagger into. Uh, again, you're, you're, unfortunately all of your rations and water have been hopelessly irradiated, so you're getting hungry and thirsty, and you're in a somewhat desperate situation. There are, there's a dense jungle filled with unknown dangers behind you, and before you, there's a post-apocalyptic city teeming with potentially savage life. So I'm going to ask you guys what you want to do, and we'll just go from there.
1: I think we need to go into the city and get supplies. What does everybody else? I think? want to get some
0: food. Again, food sounds like a good idea. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna take I a have deep some... breath right now. I will literally die.
3: I'm gonna take a deep breath and go. Ah, this smells like a hive of wretchedness and villainy. <laughs> Perfect scene for the hero of justice to work his trade.
2: <sighs> it's a good point about the justice there. It does actually smell quite a bit like villainy. All right, so let's uh, let's start with something kind of kind of low key. Let's try to get that food. See who do they want to do food?
0: Hello. Hello,
2: there you are. Okay, so here's how actions work. Um, there's really kind of two ways to approach it: descriptively and mechanically. I'm gonna start this mechanically because we're kind of showing you how the the ropes work. So I want you to pick up a d10. For each one of your effort pools. So if you have like an effort of four, then pick up four. Effort of five, pick up five. And hopefully at I didn't of five. I don't
0: right. have enough d tens, but I'll remember what I have rolled and reroll.
2: Oh, that's gonna suck.
0: No, <laughs> I it. I'm good at numbers. Yeah, I believe right. you. So roll one for each one, yeah. Yep. Try okay. To roll half so half. seven and eight. Three and three. Right. And four, so three, three, four,
2: seven, eight. Beautiful. Okay, so the way you would normally arrange those, if you're arranging them spatially, is you would have the threes on top of one another, because they're mm-hmm. a set two threes. That equals 23. Uh, then it would go numerically, uh, in just ascending order, so you'd have four, and then seven, then eight, just like that. So what that translates to in system terms is a single rank two action, so 23 is total on that one then it's a single rank four rank seven or a a rank one
0: a rank one at seven a rank one at four rank one at eight and one rank two at three i understand you
2: got it okay again this is for the benefit of everyone listening um so the way this works is you now think about it in terms of like how do you want your character to go about looking for food you tell me, like, what's what's the strategy you use in there? This is the descriptive element.
0: Well, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm a nice girl. You know, I'm a bit haughty. Maybe I've lived in a lap of luxury a bit before. So I suppose I would probably walk around some marketplace looking at the different stalls and stuff and waiting for some kind street vendor to offer me some samples so that I can try them all and eat my fill and walk off. Not too bad. All right. So,
2: uh, lots going on there. You don't really have to roll to move, except in extraneating circumstances. So just leisurely walking forward into the town doesn't really require any sets. So that's good. And I imagine you guys are just kind of, like, following her. Uh, You are, unfortunately, before you get all the way to the marketplace, you go through this area where there's a bunch of crumbled, vine-choked buildings. And there's a bunch of dudes in, like, this sort of, like, scrapped armor that's been haphazardly painted red. And they notice you just sort of, like, strolling up to the city, uh, level crude weapons at you. Actually, surprisingly uh, surprisingly sharp and well-made, if crude weapons. And they're just like, Holt, uh, who goes there? Really, really brusque about the whole thing. Uh, they all are wearing helmets, by the way, with this kind of, like, World War II gas mask thing going on. Hmm. So, clearly, they're important NPCs who will be named later.
5: It is I, spiteful prince in my entourage. <laughs>
2: My entourage that's wonderful. That's so great, I'm going to make you roll dice, too. How do you like that?
5: Uh, uh, I take it back. Uh, no.
2: <laughs> Hold those dice, Adam. You can't escape now. The mechanics okay. have you with their jaws.
5: So I, I roll my effort pool? Is that what I do? Yep, in defense. Mm-hmm.
2: And just uh, line up in the same way we just described.
5: All right, I got a 8, 8, 4, and a 10. So I got a rank 2, 8 action there, and a 4 and a 10.
2: Okay, so here's a thing you can do mechanically. Uh, One of the seven skills is heart. And since we are right now in a real-time scene where things are just kind of going the same, more or less the same speed they're going in our real real world, when you say stuff to them, if you want to use heart, you can actually either intimidate them or impress them or more or less just kind of make them do what you want them to do. Now, you could also just talk. Nothing's stopping you from making a convincing argument to the NPCs. But if you wanted to approach it mechanically with what I call avatar strength, you can just say, you know what, I'm going to do a rank to heart action. Okay. And we could look at the effect chart, which is in a, somewhere in the gigantic document that you guys all know <laughs> have access to. And uh, they'll kind of give you an idea of how effective that is just in a mechanical uh, dimension. So I'm going to do that real quick, if my computer ever lets me. There we go. Good boy. <laughs> uh, this thing is. Oh, my God. It's it's been having it's been having hiccups all day. I think it's because I, I had YouTube on listening to music while I was prepping. And it's just it ha, it's having none of that. It's like, oh man, streaming? Not gonna happen. <laughs> okay. So looking at the heart effect chart, under rank two, this is also uh, these are generally tiered and they also are like tiered specifically for the skill. So a yeah. rank two is basically what a really capable human being can do at their maximum. So that's good enough. According to this, to sway the opinion of an entire mortal family. So, a group of like, uh, a, in this case, it's a large group from 50 to 100. So, I guess when I said family, I meant like extended family. A clan! Yeah, like a whole. Pod. Well, a Clan's another one on here, which is like over a thousand. So, it's not quite that good. Uh, you can also maintain a convincing false identity, shame others in a foreign culture, or establish customs in your native culture. So, that's a pretty impressive role. Uh, again, this is what a human being could reasonably do, more or less, at the peak of human potential in just a couple of sentences. So you strut in, all amazing like that, and you spin your, your two eights, and you're just like, hey, it's me, I'm the prince, you know what to do. And they're so impressed, they're like, oh, uh, yeah, the the prince, please come right in, sir. And they even give you like an honor guard of two guys to sort of like cart you around town.
5: Excellent. I'm, I'm going to start
2: giving them shit for giving us shit. Oh, they, they take it in stride. Um, <laughs> you do note uh, that I'm not going to roleplay them because that would require effort. But you do note that both of them are kind of got like a country bumpkin slash like very uncivil savage kind of way of doing things. But for that, they, they have a, a a kind of a, a weird adherence to this really like hyper sophisticated set of moral and noble Principles, so it's a really strange contrast. These guys, whatever culture they're from is pretty peculiar, uh, but yeah, they they show you around, and since you uh, are already walking to the marketplace, you'll get there relatively shortly. Basically, there's a there's a just this big concreted over area that used to probably be a great market square and is now a bunch of like stalls and tents and and people working on things. Uh, actually, uh, you know, Bartertown, it's yep. it's Bartertown, and you know who run Bartertown. But yeah, you get there, and within a few moments, you've already found a stall full of succulent and fleshy fruit uh, that bleeds when you cut it open, but otherwise tastes like veal and is really delicious and filling. So that's fun. Other things. Awesome.
1: I Do you say fruit that tastes like veal?
2: Yep, it is. It is literally fleshy, not in the sense of like, like you imagine like a vegetable or fruit would be fleshy, but in the terms of actual like flesh with with veins. And cartilage and all sorts of strange things. Hmm. Yeah, that, and as a matter of fact, the guy who's uh who's selling it, like, keeps looking over at the, the honor guard that you guys have and like mentioning how expensive this stuff is, and they're like, Yes, yes, you will be well compensated. Remember, these are honored guests. This this man is a prince, and these are his entourage. Clearly overwhelmed by your presence, by the way. I'll be
0: extremely haughty.
3: <laughs> well
2: Can done. I-
1: can I look for evidence of the villainy that Kenny had mentioned earlier? <laughs> there
0: was villainy? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you had mentioned something about
1: villainy,
3: didn't you?
0: This entire place seemed villainous, he said. Yeah. Hey, food. Of, of
3: course it is. Of course there it
2: is. There is villainy everywhere, if you're part of <laughs> You may absolutely do that. So go ahead and roll your effort, Dice. Uh, right. Again... This, it isn't necessary to start every action with rolling your effort dice. I'm just trying to show you guys yeah. as much of the system yeah. as I can. Okay,
1: so. so I roll 60, 10, and I got a 10. I got two twos,
2: a 7, and a 1, and an 8. Not bad. So no no sets, in other words. Well, I, I got, got, two, I
1: got two, two twos. Is that a set?
2: That is. Uh, also, don't forget that you have Masteries here. What was your character again?
1: My my character's Cave Buffalo.
2: Cave hey, Buffalo. He ha- what does he have? What's his mastery? Is it uh, heart?
1: Where is- oh, mastery is endurance.
2: Endurance. That's right. He's a big, tough guy. Um, All right. Uh, it, what you're going to want to use here is senses. Yeah, you're literally just going to use your, your five senses to look around and see if there's any evidence of stuff. So let's let's take your uh, result of two in this case and see what rank two peak mortal is for senses and action scenes. And by the way... Uh, the the skills have moderately different uses depending on the speed of the scene. In real-time scenes like we're in right now, usually you get complete, discrete results. You see this, you break that, you endure this, you move here. Well, in action scenes, which are much faster, you'll have a, a more, like, staggered result. Instead of breaking something, you'll hurt something and kind of reduce its structural integrity, like hitting hit points, kind of. Okay. Whereas in a, in a real-time scene, you have this this more you have more time to focus your efforts on something. And in montage scenes, you can even make larger things happen, because not only are you rolling and doing one discrete action, you're doing multiple actions as well as you can over a long period of time. So these do have different effects, depending on the kind of speed of scene you're in. So that's a thing you can do. Anyway, in the case of looking at the census effect chart, you can do the following. Uh, Notice well-hidden or extremely subtle details, uh, like uncovering a a spy's false identity, by observing their body language, or smell of poison and cooked food. You could also, because since this is a two-fold skill, to through both spotting things and hiding, it's kind of a situational awareness skill. You could also have hidden a particularly concealed spot, such as sparse vegetation, or a dim room with no furniture. So it gives you an idea of the kind of terrain that you can hide in. So in this case, being able to spot really well concealed things allows you to kind of read the crowd and, uh, and notice things about like the way they're behaving, mm-hmm. and infer what that could mean. Uh, you'll notice there that I'm kind of interpreting the effect chart liberally. This is something that I encourage teams to do with in the text, by the way. Uh, in this case, you're able to uh, to really clearly kind of see the way the lines of authority in this place work, and I imagine that you're you're talking to this about uh, to to your golden lion instance, He's the one who mentioned the whole villainy thing, and while you're comparing notes with them about like what you're seeing, this is all kind of triggering stuff in his mind uh, because there is not really there is a villainy at play here. There's, there's clearly like a tiered sort of, um, sort of quasi feudal system where there's some kind of really glorious, powerful leader. Mm -hmm. They have an army that surrounds them of elite soldiers. And then the people more or less are slaves to that or recruits for that. So that's, that's kind of the tiering system, but that's a sophisticated feudal system. And the only other place that really exists is in the golden lion territories where they have a sort of chivalric version of that. So that's kind of peculiar. Um, you're able to really easily follow like the, the way the crowd moves and the way people act and the, what they look at because of your incredible feat of senses. And uh, that allows you to pretty easily intuit where the seat of power is for this guy. It's somewhere to the north, in some, some building north of the market square is probably where this guy is. You can also hear that booming speech coming from over there, and the, uh, the roar of the crowd is from that direction. So you kind of honed in on what's going in over there. Furthermore, while you're looking around, you do notice that there's two other uh, broad exits to this little city. Uh, there's to the south where you can see the jungle sloping away, and then in the distance uh, peeking over the jungle, there's the roofs of a more sophisticated military complex. There's something going on over there. And to the east, as you keep going like further along this way, you can see the jungle starting getting really thick and then these uh, these like thick palls of like black smoke and such like coming from that direction. So Lore knows what's over there, but probably nothing pleasant
1: anyway i who's look, next i look at uh kenny what's no, your character's no. name uh desert okay. sage. i'm sorry desert desert, <laughs> desert sage. De- sage i say desert yes. sage and i and i explain all of these things to desert sage and i or that, that i see and i i say uh you know where where do you think the most villainy the greatest villainy resides here
3: and I think I'll, I'll look over to, to sort of where the, 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 the sound was coming from. This is the booming voice addressing the crowd. And I'll go, if there is anywhere we should look, it's to the loud voice misleading the masses. We must hear what this despot has to say and refute him in the name of justice. And I, was, I will start striding towards him. I, I, I fall, <laughs> I've fallen point. behind
0: him. At this point, my neck will crane round, and my head will swivel about like an owl's. And my eyes will be replaced with whatever currency we are using in this system. (laughs) 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 Because I will go, The leader of villains, you say? (laughs) Well, he might have great great treasures, would we not infer? Well
5: let's go uh-huh. and, uh, I don't need much convincing to overthrow any false leader who has set himself up here
1: well Adam you <laughs> also need to bye maintain the bye. pretense that we're your entourage right so you have to you have Is to that get... a pretense <laughs> <laughs> pretense
2: <laughs> clearly the entourage you guys are, these are all second fiddles
0: <laughs>
2: oh. to be fair I sad.
0: So I, I can act as treasurer of your state, right?
5: We'll we'll discuss this in more detail later. <laughs> Whatever I can, first, I'm going to there is a despot come back to you. I'll
0: just say nonchalantly.
2: <laughs> nonchalantly, I like that. All right. Gee, I wonder if I actually wrote down the stats. I thought I did. Wasn't that what I was doing a minute ago? I'd probably squeeze one quick, tight combat in with this guy. He's actually pretty powerful, but there's enough of you that you'll probably make short work of him. Uh, There's not really a challenge rating in this system anywhere. I've never really found much use for them. But I have found, through playtesting, that a way you can kind of see what the relative powers of things are is you can just add up their effort pool and their total chakra on a given side. That's more or less who's going to win. So unfortunately, with a group this big, usually groups are about three people or so, with a group this big, there's really not one villain powerful enough to challenge, like, 25-odd <laughs> attacks. <laughs> so you're going to make short work of him, most likely. But That's nah, sweet, Groover. <laughs> Maybe he'll kill one of you. We'll see. All right. I do wish I had prepped a cool speech for the guy, because uh, I, I based this dude off of Peace from uh, from Ralph Bakshi's Wizards, which I keep <laughs> trying to trick Brendan into watching with me, but he's just a <clears> cunt <throat> for me.
0: I have bad Sorry, memories of, I have dark bad, dark bad memories Steve's Wizards i have not had dialogue yet yeah
2: <laughs> I don't feel so stereotypical well if I kill Steve's character first like that feels okay right. feels like, Steve's oh very God, agreeable
1: let's... when things happen to his character I get the least amount of flack from Steven yeah it
5: happens it happens <laughs> he always has the <laughs> least limbs of any he's, he's <laughs> been by a yeah, few brutal deaths
0: of his characters <laughs> I've seen to a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just feel like I had a ridiculously wrong run with my first RPG character that lasted the better part of two years, and then it's was just like, well, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> no, it's karma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my favorite karma was when his character died, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, what's, yeah, that was ridiculous. What's, what's
1: this
2: jerk saying, Joel?
1: What's he speaking?
2: Okay, so my initial thought was uh, I don't want to repeat the speech. But I was thinking he was going to do something similar to uh, the speech that opened up Zardoz. You guys remember that? The gun is yeah. This is evil. <laughs> uh, he's doing something kind of similar to that. Uh, basically, when you get there to the square, there's a whole bunch of like soldiers and, and such like in the same kind of uh, regalia everyone else is. This guy is on the top floor, what used to be like the third floor of a building, which is now the top floor. It was apparently demolished at some point in the apocalypse, and it's kind of been like rebuilt out of medieval technology, so there's a bunch of bunch of like fitted stones and what have you. And he's on top of that. Uh he, he is all in actual, like, resplendent red armor with like a red cloak, and he's got like a proper gas mask, except it has Viking horns on it. And he's given one of these big evil guy speeches. You know, the sword is good, you must earn your blade by killing our enemies. Uh the world is full of wickedness. And he's talking about how, like, uh, he's bringing back something that's called the. Wait a minute, I got it down here. Oh, where are you, buddy? Doo, 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 doo. I had a really cool name for this thing. Yeah, there it is, the Habit King. Ah, oh, fuck yeah! Just thought of this while I was prepping. Anyway, um, how
1: how a, how big is that? this building that he's on, and how how strong is its integrity appear to be?
2: Uh, it's. The top floor was reinforced, so its integrity is pretty reasonable. It's it's about three stories tall, and it's it's pretty fat. It's like one of those kind of apartment building things. It's uh it's, it's only made one made
3: of stone, by the way. Did you say?
2: Uh, concrete and stone. Yeah, it's probably it's got, not made of gunpowder. gunpowder. <laughs> it is not made of gunpowder, but you know,
1: <laughs> there's just a little stopped. wick like out out <laughs> the back for us to go up and
2: like... <laughs> <laughs> Does it say Acme <laughs> on the side?
0: <laughs>
2: Acme of post-apocalypse buildings. Oh man, we really just... should have contracted with them.
0: Uh, Absolutely.
2: Anyway, I but...
3: don't have a appropriate speech um, to counter whatever the fuck he's saying. So I'm going to like call out in a loud voice and say
2: um something. Well, just just a moment while you're thinking of that. Um, Adam, you're my silver phoenix, right? Yeah. Okay, you uh, the, the culture of the Silver Phoenix has a lot of knowledge from b- the before the burning times. So you uh, uniquely as a faction have this kind of thing where you happen to know facts about things that are kind of obscure or knowledge that's been lost. So a Habit King is kind of a big deal. Uh, did you ever see uh, Nausicaa, the Valley of the Wind? Any of you guys?
5: I have not seen that.
2: No. Okay, it's, it's a Studio Ghibli film. The plot of that is that there were these basically giant mecha, living mecha monsters that ruined the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the story takes place thousands of years later in, like, a post-apocalypse. And everything's kind of, like, evened out, more or less. There's a few patches of, like, uh, nuclear fallout. But for the most part, it's evened out. And this one warlike faction finds one of these things, like, the ruins of it. And they start, like, bringing it back to life to destroy the world. That is a habit, King. It straight up stole that concept. Basically, it's like an 18 story tall Godzilla monster that obeys a warlord, and it's one of the things that ended the world. So the fact that this guy is bringing one back to life is really bad. It's like fate of the world stuff going on. It's really important to stop that before it happens. And he seems really confident he can pull this shit off. So, some context not, for not, you. Not knowing any of that, I'm just gonna <laughs> you know,
3: call out the um, the tyranny, the oppression of the masses, and exploiting the people, and how we must return the means of production to them.
0: <laughs> I, I'll back <laughs> <I'll, I'll> <laughs> him up on <for> a, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll a, a couple of swings of that, and then I'll distance myself from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. So,
3: can I try and like sway the crowd with hearts? So I'm gonna do I have to do an
2: effort. Roll for that. You yeah. uh, can. He's not happy about that. So <laughs> <laughs> so you may go ahead and try fascists. Uh, yeah, no, he's such a fascist. Well, this guy's literally named Red Tyrant because I'm creative. <laughs> so,
3: yeah, I mean.
0: <laughs> so
3: I've got a mastery in, in heart. So do I roll six or do I roll, do I roll five and then things happen
2: after that? Uh, you'll roll five since so it's your normal effort pool. Right. And whenever you, whatever set that you get that you choose for heart, you'll increase the rank of that set by one, because okay. you're yes. a master of that. So I've got one, two, three, and two fives. All right, so the two fives, probably what you'd use for that one. In that case, it would be a 25. And because you have heart mastery, it would actually be 35. So you go past what most humans can do into the enhanced rank. So this allows you to sway the opinion of a large mortal organization from 100 to 1,000 people. In other words, everyone who can listen to you, you can sway. Um, pretty impressive. And that's even – you could even establish a custom in an alien culture. So in this case, like this is kind of an alien culture to you. But uh, your words are so persuasive that, that people are like, hey, actually, you know, maybe we shouldn't try to kill the whole world. <laughs> and they start to really kind of get behind your your ideals. Now, um, it requires a montage scene to really cement any kind of big cultural movements. So that's something you got to kind of work your way up to. But you can, like you're doing right now, temporarily really change people's hearts. And so that takes that, like, you know, thousand-man army this guy's got right in his, his front lawn there and makes them into something he can't really use in this ensuing combat scene. So that was a good move, uh, first of all. Uh, <laughs> second of all, he is super pissed about that. And he does something that gives you kind of a, an interesting pause because he puts his hand to his sword hilt and he pulls it out. And when he does that, he does two things. Uh, first of all, he reveals that his blade is made out of burnished gold. The only people that have swords like that that aren't just crappy golden swords that are actually like things that are magical are golden lions. So this guy either killed a golden lion or he is a golden lion. And he probably is one. Because the second thing that he does is he he shoots lightning like these arcs of lightning from his chest all the way up his arm to the sword. And when he pulls it out, it just kind of like cracks into the sky. So he uses a, a golden lion technique on top of that. So this guy is part of your faction. He's some kind of like fallen hero. Uh, he levels his blade at you and he invokes like this ancient, like uh, uh, kind of like counting coup thing where he's like, okay, you want to, you want to be the King here? You want to, tr- you want to, you want to rule these people? Let's see how, let's see your metal. Let's see the metal of you and yours. And uh, he'll launch down from there like, well, like an anime character. And you guys get to roll and we do combat. Is there any so, water nearby? Can
0: I like, try and do something just in, in the interim of that? Sure. This is all happening really quick. so. no, no. Yeah. A- absolutely. Absolutely. When we arrive there and we see this 18-story tall construction that may be some kind of mech weapon thing that will destroy stuff.
2: Right? But you only
0: really hear about it. Uh, you don't
2: actually see this 18-story-tall foot tall, thing, 18 story tall, monster anywhere. He's talking about owning it, but there's no place nearby that it could be housed. Now, you did see a huge military complex further
0: off to the south. Putting two and two together, it's probably there. Right. In which case, can I use my agility to try and nab that treasure? Like, to run all the way there? Oh, uh, yeah.
2: I'm talking about running several miles in a few moments... That I have agility as a mastery. Your agility as a mastery. Do you actually have any agility <laughs> techniques too? Because it's not impossible. But let's 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 use the effect chart the other way. Let's use it kind of in the backwards way, where we look at the the minimum you would need to get with that and see if that's realistic for you. So looking at agility. Uh, going that far, let's see. You would probably need to run you know, about 750 miles per hour to zap all the way there within the space of him doing this. That is a rank five effect. So if you roll your effect, if you roll your effort, and you add your mastery to that, you can also use your techniques to possibly push that higher if you have one that boosts agility. So uh, it's
0: not the realm of possibility. I say Let let's forward, just Elliot. have a look. So there's leopard and monkey motion.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's an agility one. Creates both a defense and agility action when used. This agility action is taken out of sequence, allowing you to move before the foe takes any other actions. This is incredibly useful for a hasty retreat. Yes. Now,
2: that's that's the effect. That's what it does in combat when you're fighting. Underneath sure. that, the skill should also be
0: agility, right? Um, as far as I see, this technique does not mention the skill, but that may just be because that was cut off. It doesn't mention anything oh, else yeah.
2: right, Let me Let me see. I think that one actually has agility as well. Uh, that's an Emerald Chiron move. Uh, Apologies yeah. for complicating things at this moment. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. This is all stuff that happens. Yeah, that should be agility. Okay, but yeah, uh, that would have skill agility underneath of it on top of that. There's a little bit of complexity here. Uh, so the cost of that is seven. You have a Prana pool of ten right now, so you can not only can you activate that technique right now, you can activate it without it becoming obvious that you're using magic. The only thing that would make it obvious is that you're shooting like a bullet from where you sure. are all the way down there. But if nobody saw that, then all they'd hear is that little snap as you as the air behind you <laughs> closes in. Um, so yeah, that's that's right too. And it's facing 0 to 3. So the only real restrictions on using that is whatever set you're using has to have a facing of 0, 1, 2, or 3. So if you okay. roll your, your effort. And adding your mastery to it. If it's that, it adds two ranks. So if you get a a rank two action with with what you're rolling, you can add your mastery for additional rank one, and then use that for additional two ranks. I like can see to five. You would poof there in a heartbeat, and be right there. Okay. So now so you guys are kind I, of seeing some of the the crazier levels of power that you possess, even as a starting characters.
0: So, just if if I get this right. If I run my effort pool, which is 5 d 10, as long as I get a set of two that are facing zero to three, then I will be able to succeed. Exactly. Nailed it. Perfect. Excellent. I can't believe I explained that right in only one try. Fingers crossed. Let us see. And zero in the scale is 10. So I've got... that, Steve? And zero is 10, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, 0 is 10. Uh, yeah, okay, so, some 10s so, have zeros and some have 10s. It just depends on what kind they are. I was like, ah, it's all 0. Screw it. Okay. Two the
1: highest you can take 0. Oh,
0: oh. Okay, I've rolled four dice so far. I've got four, eight, one, and 3. Do I get a set? 4. Ah, oh, damn, so I've got a set of 4s, but no
2: more. It gets you to 3 if you want to take it, but that's not quite enough to zoom all the way there. Unless you happen to have another thing that boosts agility. The, I think the highest you can get is uh, one, though. Actually, no, at, there is Badger's Furious Defense,
0: which does say skill
2: agility. You could, but remember, it's only rank one, and only at rank four total. It's not quite as powerful as that one, because you should all have, as starting characters, three novice-level techniques that usually boost things by one rank, and then one expert level, which boosts it by two. Uh, so the yeah, skill one like- isn't quite as impressive as it will be eventually. Would I... Would I be able to use both those as well, or...? You can
0: only enhance one action one time with one technique. Okay. In which case, I think I'd have to use Leopard and Monkey Motion, which mm-hmm. is two ranks. That would bring it up to, with my Master, at total so four, fun. unfortunately. Not quite cool enough to jump all the way there. If you did jump all the way
2: there, you would have seen it growing inside of a huge, like, five or six-story egg. So it's not... It's enough to ruin it. You could destroy a stupid b- robot, but you couldn't unfortunately pile it back and blow him up with it. Mostly because <sighs> I didn't write the stats for it down. Uh, okay. You could actually do that in the game. Because, I mean, why wouldn't you want them to do that in the full game? Obviously, that's the thing you want to have. <laughs> yeah, I, I am not afraid of the power ceiling, guys. guys. <laughs> 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 why it's why supposed to be, possible. be possible. Alright, so let's see, Let's see. Uh, we've got 22 minutes left until everything wraps up, and at leaves us uh, 12 minutes, until poor Adam's got to head out. So we'll make yeah. this as brief as we can, uh, and we'll shift into an action scene. Okay. So we'll have, we'll have Red Tyrant come and try to fight you guys, all by his lonesome. So the way this works is at the start of an action scene, at the start of every turn in an action scene, it's kind of like uh, a turn, again, going back to D&D. This Skype is just being such a bitch to me right now. Come on, Skype. Work with me, man. There we go. Okay. You gonna stay? Alright, cool. I kept, like, jumping down something. I want to be able to see everybody. But, okay. Um, everybody rolls at the very beginning of every turn and you just line up your effort. That is kind of your action pool for the whole turn. So you're gonna mm-hmm. use that to attack, you're gonna use it for initiative, defense, all the skills you want to use, all of that stuff. In addition to that, you also get uh, one move you can do at a rank zero. Um, the, all the effect charts is a zero, which is like, what a person could do without much effort. So you can move once, and out of that, you can have one single action, which is only one die. Uh, that's in case you don't roll any sets, you can still attack, basically. So, those are restrictions there. So this guy is a son of a bitch, and he has ten dice to roll, uh, which makes him way more powerful than one of you, but equally as powerful as two of you. Uh, I found in my previous playtest because I had, a, I had a bad guy called Fire God, and that one who was about this powerful, and she died in two rounds worth by uh, taking two tank shells to the face, and then <laughs> it had smashed in with a lead pipe. And you would think <laughs> the tank shells would have taken her out, but no, not really. Okay, so everybody gets to roll. Wow, this guy got a set of four. Anyway, everybody gets to roll and line up their effort dice for the turn. So I'll take how initiative bidding works. And,
1: Five there. Okay. So if, I, if I'm if i just using my melon hammer, do I just roll my effort? hmm
2: Yeah. So what the melon hammer does is every time you hit somebody with an attack, you add a D10's worth more damage. Okay. So you just okay. continually smash them with it. All right. I'm going to smash and, this guy with my melon hammer. Yep. Uh, weapons are interesting little beasts. You can use them once during your turn for free. And if you want to use them multiple times, you can do that, but it costs you Prana. It's kind of like using a weaker version of a technique. Uh, and I found that out because the balance weapon, anybody who has a sword is a balance weapon. They're really, like, past the power curve. They uh, they increase your attack instead of increasing the, uh, uh, like, a add-on to the attack. So they're actually more powerful than the other weapons. And I was like, well, that sucks. are they're, they're way too powerful. But what I did was I just made them cost a little more. For uh, reinvoke, so they wind up being balanced if you continue using them. All right. uh, it's not exactly balanced, but I figure you know there's a reason people choose swords over other weapons. So. And
1: a, a solitary ten has no effect, right?
2: Well, it's a, it's a zero, so it's a really crappy. It's a really crappy. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, so it's a zero. In this <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, it's not that it has no effect. It just has a crummy effect. Back in the day, if you got used sets of zeros, it would get have it would be like a. Getting an epic failure, so like something okay. fantastic or weird would happen. Uh, I just I don't have the energy for that shit. There's enough going on in combat as you're about to see that you're not you don't need extra
0: stuff going on. All right. Can I just say it's it's a little bit tangential, but every single time that Brendan mentions the melon hammer. I keep on thinking of a melon baller, I'm just like using a giant one to cave somebody's skull in. I keep thinking of Gallagher.
5: Is what I think
1: of. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say to both of you, that's totally the wrong image for the melon hammer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a quick internet search to show you just how impressive my, uh, my melon hammer is. Uh, <laughs> Sorry for uh, interrupting. Sorry. I think the, the, the Gallagher, the so, Gallagher reference was a truly, now.
5: truly, you know, <laughs> that, painful that, that, that remark. Cup, that cut for a little yeah. bit there yeah yeah that yeah. was I that held was... it I thought it the first time you said it but I, I held myself back no no you know it, what
1: even. one of one of the first images that came up for the melon hammer was somebody smashing a watermelon I think yeah. with, I think with the melon hammer <laughs> there you go oh and there's also there's also a hammer that has a square watermelon on the end uh,
2: fantastic oh my god Jesus Christ that's incredible the watermelon hammer and that's the great thing is that like you have water-based powers <laughs> so
1: i just need to cart around a bunch of melons and then i can use all that untapped water for my water abilities. I, I can throw it at my enemies and then when the melon hits their head i can freeze it and it'll just it'll oh encase them
0: in frozen watermelon goo yeah, um, I, you're going to a watermelon can, into segments and then freeze them and use them as throwing knives.
5: No, you smash the watermelon and use your water power to project the liquid out so fast the seeds will be bullets that they'll be moving oh, so God.
2: fast. No. <laughs> Irradiated bullets. <All> right. <laughs> smash a melon with a melon hammer and use the projected chunks of melon as a hammer. That's...
0: That's, that's what when you smash a melon with a melon hammer, the melon hammer repairs whatever damage it has taken up to this point. Okay, I'm just going to say, Google is
1: incredibly ignorant of Wuxia, because
5: <laughs> all of the
1: top top searches on this Dude, image search are just people smashing watermelons. <laughs> God.
2: Well, that just made my day. Okay. okay let's, let's run you through combat. Combat, um, unlike... Uh, real-time scenes, which are a little looser, as you guys could tell. Combat is a very strict turn order because it's it's way faster. You're kind of like moving in slow motion, so you know all the detail and stuff. So the first thing you do is you've already done. You rolled your effort and lined it all up. Next, everyone needs to bid for initiative. That's not a separate initiative roll. So this is going to be draining your resources for attacking and defending other stuff this turn. This guy has resources to spare. So what happens is in this case, like say he's got a he's got a single. Uh, Single six here. Uh, he's going to bid that one. So that gives him a 16 for initiative. That's his initiative. All you guys get to go around and see if you want to try to outbid him so you can go faster. Or just bid somewhere so you can go out faster than your friends. Well, there's not much more point in that. Uh, if you don't want to, he'll seize initiative and go first. And so we'll kind of set the rhythm of the combat. And if you do, then you get to go first and whoop his ass. And the reason I made that take dice is because Whenever you go before somebody, it kind of has the effect of turning all of their potential offense into defense because you're the one smashing them first. It actually wound up being a lot more of a big deal than I thought it was going to be. Earlier versions of the system, you would roll for every time you attacked and every defense, so it was more of an equal match. But now that there's this more limited resource, the timing which you use is a lot more significant. So this guy, knowing that, decides to bid his his, uh, 6 here to get a 16 for initiative, and you all get a chance to do it. And then we get another round until everyone's done with bidding.
6: So I'm gonna gonna bid match 7.
2: Uh, if you match somebody on initiative, you roll off. You both just do a single D10 to see if it's the tiebreaker.
5: Yeah, I'm bidding 7. Nice. Bidding 8. Oh. I should
2: probably write this shit down, huh?
5: <laughs> do we oh, have man. to
2: bid, Joel? You don't have to. You can skip if you want to. In which case, you'll just go after everybody who bid. All right, so I've got Adam, Brendan... Kenny, Stephen? Was that one of yeah. them? What are you, Stephen? Okay. Uh, I'm missing the last one. Sorry, I'm bad with those. Elliot. Names. I'm Elliot. Yep. I've,
0: I've pissed off to run after the loot anyway, so. <laughs> I don't
2: think I actually got introduced introduce you properly. I'm sorry. Sorry about that, Elliot.
0: You've been a lot you feel better?
5: Just All think right. of the love interest in Scrubs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think I'm more attracted. You'd be wrong. <laughs> lot of lot of all right. Yeah, yeah, for for most part. Okay. All right, anybody else? I plus? can't remember. It's been so long.
3: Uh, I'm bidding right, a okay. six.
2: to they have a roll right. off against uh, okay. the Red Pirates? All, all right.
3: right.
2: Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna stay at that six. So if anybody else wants to bid, they can maybe. Push sharper down, otherwise, we'll just do some roll offs. And uh, it'll be me and Kenny, if I got that right? Yep. Alright, so roll your d10 and see if you go faster than this guy. He gets a 1. So he just 1. <laughs> we'll roll again. Ah, 9 this time. I got a 6. Yeah. Wow.
0: Turn it upside down, Kenny! <laughs> Quickly! <laughs> Before I notice. You still have a chance! <laughs> <laughs>
2: Okay, so that means Adam is going to lead us off, so that's going to be fun. Oh. First round, you get to zoom forward. This guy's, like, careening towards you, flying he's off the careening building.
5: careening towards me. So he's in the air right now. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. So, doing stuff on your turn. Yeah.
2: Uh, first of all, uh, the let's fill up your chronicles, pools, which you, these would already be full. Um... For every open chakra that you have, you have mm-hmm. a full 10 prana. So I think you actually have 20 because you're a silver phoenix, right? Yeah. You're an enlightened hero. Okay. Yep. So you got a prana pool of 20. That's just the amount of points you have to spend. When you spend them, they need to get replenished before you use them again. Open chakra, also you have a replenish of two apiece. So in this case, you replenish four of those at the end of every one of your turns. So, if you wanna use any, any powers, it's much more uh, discreetly tracked in action scenes, again, because they're much more focused. So that's the kind of cool you have to do that with. Uh, general stuff you can do is very similar to D&D 3.0. Uh, you can move, uh, you can do an attack with a single die, you can do an attack with sets of dice, you can do as many of those as you want. And you can do any actions that are allowed by your sets too. So any of the skills you wanna do them on, uh, on this scale, you can do them. So like in the case of like say using senses to hide, You could do that. And as a matter of fact, I think you have techniques that allow you to kind of go invisible too. Uh, All of your techniques are available to you for their cost. If you can't afford one in one round, you can just put a bunch of Prana on one and charge it up like in Dragon Ball Z and then spend the rest in subsequent rounds to get it used. Uh, I think that everyone should be able to afford pretty much every technique they have within a round or so. That's kind of where I put the power level of most starting characters.
5: Oh, um, I I am out of time, so I am just going uh, to decide this whole fight is beneath me and tele, <laughs> tele-, tele- telekinetically just just rise above this entire combat. So, well, good luck, guys. Been good, Adam.
0: Yeah, out, of- out, of- out of random pebbles on the street, and then just oh. sit there floating in it, observing the masses.
5: <laughs> Continue.
0: <laughs> Adam, I'll catch you later. I'll catch you later, Adam.
5: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, Adam, sorry
2: for wasting time, on Oh, bye. I think this has been reasonably tight, uh, actually. We're just, I mean, like, we're on a schedule. Well, and, oh, I mean, Yeah, it's, it's a time limit steep.
1: more than anything.
2: Yeah. Um, we And we didn't start until 20 minutes in, so... Yeah, so, I know, mean, this, this was already a little bit tight. And I'm kind of glad, because I, I prepped, like, well, 17 times as much if you as we want, just saw If you want, so. we
1: can hold it here, and we can resume... Next week. All right, we are going live now. So,
2: okay, okay outstanding. Uh, should I just start and like dive, dive us right back, back into, into it. it? Yeah. The only well, thing sure. is,
1: do we have our character sheets? Do we have our information for our characters?
2: Yeah. Are we actually? I got yeah, like, if you got, if I can pan this camera down, like there's just all this stuff out in front of me. Like I okay. got all the different wars for all the different factions over here. I've got my notes for this campaign, which again are ridiculously copious. Uh, I've got the monsters over there in the corner. These you guys go north of the demon city. Fingers crossed. Over here, I've got the Tyrant's character sheet. I've got the weapons chart. I've got the effect charts into that. I'm can, very prepared. Can so you who's s- got a character sheet ready?
1: Well, can you send the... Um, the Remember those character books that you sent us before? Can you send oh, those yeah, in the yeah.
2: chat? Oh, Lord, give me a second. <laughs> Let Just me navigate, navigate Skype's awful interface. There we go. Okay. Uh, let's see. I think this little picture icon is what it wants me to push, so let's do that. Okay, push it, and my computer is... Oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> oh. Let's see here. Go to the desktop, just going to narrate you guys through
0: it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Like I'm a... lost without these directions. <laughs> okay, so there's the title characters. Oh, no, maybe not. There
2: we go. Let's open that and send it. Make sure everybody gets it. see. Did it go through? Uh,
5: I think What's I should have to hit
2: this button, too. Yeah, because it shows it to me, and then I have to hit the send button to send it. That's lovely. I'm glad that's how that works. <laughs> I know. Uh, <Go>. Skype. <laughs> you guys also have the uh, the link to the Lone Wolf Fist playtest document, which I have continually yeah. failed to put on the Patreon where people give me money for it. Early be. <laughs> well, i got the old one there because it's like a 300-word document there. But then um, I, I had a little crisis, and then I had to take a little break for like a couple of weeks. I got back to it. and I was like, I since I had a few weeks to not think about it, and my subconscious worked on it. I was like, oh, hey, it would really help us out a lot considering the playtest I have If we made all the rules work depending differently a little bit depending on the kind of speed of scene you were in, that way there would be a reason to want those slower, less dangerous scenes. Hmm. And it turns out the best way to do that is to totally reorder, like, the way I introduced everything in the book. So I was like, oh, no. So my project for the last couple of weeks has been trying to reorder that and write the little missing rules chunks, uh, which to me, I'm, I'm, it's looking pretty good so far. There's a few little chunks I'm missing. I don't have the Gapkala, which I really want to do. I uh, I don't have, let me see what else, I'm missing the uh, montage scene rules. There's a couple other little chunks here and there, There's little bitty things. Uh, like, I think it was like a hole is missing. I was <laughs> like, oh, I should probably work on that. Anyway, uh, I sent the the characters to you guys in uh, word form. it was like a... Mm-hmm. Okay, so there we go. And that's a Google Docs link, it looks like. I'm assuming that's the lone wolf, this one. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what you said, said last time. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. I'm going to actually put this on the on the Patreon while I'm doing this, but I think instead what I'm going to do is I'm just going to mention it, and then I'll just put this this edited uh, play test thing that Britain finalizes on the Patreon as, along with the link, and be like, guess what, guys? Thanks for the money! And there's been a lot of thanks for the money in this. Uh, so People keep doing this thing which I don't know how to feel about, where like I put a suggested price in for uh, the dancing Act 1. Which I'm not running you guys through, because that would have been way too easy. Uh, <laughs> but, like, the suggested price is $4.99. I think 5 bucks is a reasonable amount to pay for, like, what, a 50-page-odd document. It's just an intro of it. You know, a little, little leaflet thing. Uh, and people are paying me, like, 20 dollars for a free download. So it's like, you don't have to pay anything. You can just hit the button and get it. So I don't know who those people are, but I love them. And I'm a little
0: intimidated by them. <laughs> paper. So, so yeah. yeah. I mean I think it probably comes from just trying to like, you know, uh compensate the time put into the effort into the project in the first place, you know? Well that's, that's
2: the well, thing. You know,
0: need that. them. Yeah. Like well that and that is really thoughtful,
2: I think. But, but like like I I have enough business training that like I've got a little I've got a sheet for it for all the costs and everything. So it's not like given a, a, a one-year-or-so timescale, we really didn't spend that much on this particular act. Like, a little bit of it was like, me paying for Christoph Robelsi art, a little bit of it was me paying for Frederick Davis art, a little bit of it was David paying for the uh, original editing by Albert Lim, and then like, everything else was just, hey, guys, there's four of us on the scene, we all have different skills, let's just work and record what we would have charged ourselves for that at the lowest cost, I and mean, then just put it on the sheet we'll pay ourselves out at the end of the project whenever we start getting money for it. So, like, that 4 like, granted the amount of downloads that we have and granted the, the average amount that people gave us for that, over a year's time frame, getting the money back we put into it, including our labor, really is pretty likely. And, and getting a little, like, 10-odd percent chunk of profit on top of that that we're going to split amongst the team, that's not unlikely. Um... Uh, so, as, I, I deeply appreciate people throwing that average up, but, like, here's $50 for your $5 book, but it's not actually necessary, I, in, in ideally, this will appeal to a general audience and won't require that kind of direct patronage. The reason I have a Patreon is so that I can get startup costs in, in advance of something a little more proper, like a Kickstarter, or, like, I don't know, a loan or something. I don't really want to take out an interest-bearing loan on something like this, because, like, even, so they have to face it as a possible investment as well. <clears throat> oh, yeah. No, their money is, going, is right now 100% being pushed towards uh, editors and layout artists and proper artists. So, like, I'm, I'm paying people that freelance for the team right yeah, now out a, of their So, it, it, is, it is an investment that is, is making this happen. Mm. Ah. This is a super interesting conversation to begin our Kung Fu Punch game. That's
1: totally right. fine. <laughs> That's totally
2: fine. Trying to get some use out uh, of We left off. We left <laughs> off in the middle of a fight last time, didn't we? Well, you left off in the middle of a fight. That I believe Adam's character picked, didn't he? Like, was Adam with someone else? Who, who Yeah, to fight
0: with him. Yeah, this? it was Adam's character because he was playing as. Uh, 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 um.
2: <laughs> okay, so do you guys want to to vanish into anonymity as he's hacked to death
0: by the super powerful sword guy, or do you want to fight him? Well, I've run off to... I can't remember exactly where I've run off to, uh, but I've managed
2: to the south. Oh no, i oh, can dropped again? It's probably gone. Oh,
0: no, he's back. I'm back.
3: This is the last time, like, I can't, I... There's no point of you, Kenny, every two or three minutes.
0: The sacrifices you make for us, we'll miss you, Ken. You're a cool character. <laughs> um... But I was running off somewhere because I think that I'd heard that he had this giant mech thing or something that he was kind of like bringing, t- bringing up, out, and I ran over there to see if I could possibly nab it.
2: <laughs> so you were you were bolting towards that. It's it's quite it's several miles away through dense jungle, so it's going to be. I'm range.
0: I'm pretty sure that I got a very good roll for it or something.
2: You did beforehand, yeah. So you'll so we'll be bolting for that during this combat, such as it is. Uh, how about the rest of the elm? Uh, let me see. Because right now, what it looks like is going to happen is he's going to soar down because I don't have Adam's character. I'm just going to have him kind of, like, hacked to death <laughs> unless you guys really want to interfere. Um, usually what would be happening here is I'd be running thrilling combat, including all characters. Uh, but I don't, like, okay, so this guy is, like, spoiler alert, really mechanically powerful, and I've only tested characters of this power a few times. I don't actually know how satisfying this fight's going to be. So I might kill some of your guys, or you might curb-stomp him. I have no read for it at all. Uh, I've already cut one character down because he's not here, and then another character bolting off to uh, steal a mech, which, thankfully, I did prep a little bit for. So if you want to steal it now, you totally can. Uh of you, it's going to be, uh, uh... Okay, well, I won't spoil it. <laughs> you get there, we'll see what happens. Anyway, so... Everyone have their sheets. They're ready I to rock? Mine. I got mine right here. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. So let's let's do a little quick recap. Uh, basically, you guys had wandered through the desert and into a dense uh, radioactive jungle, found your way to something equip- equivalent to civilization, found delicious fleshy fruit to eat, um, found the leader of this place, who's some sort of like crazy military leader guy, and is apparently some sort of fallen knight. Um, <laughs> Adam in his infinite wisdom and foresight in this decided to pick a loud and public fight with them. The guy dove down off a building, sheathed in magical lightning to come and kill you. Um, so that's that's more or less the entire recap. Uh, now, Adam did initially get initiative on this, but it looks like, uh, Kenny and he were tied, and we had a, a roll-off, and it looks like Kenny is one step behind him. So, uh, Unless anyone has any objections, I'll just start off right in the middle of the combat. That's cool. Okay, cool. So, we've already got an initiative established. Let's let's talk about how combat works. I really wish that I had something like the roll 20 thing, where I could show you guys these dice in a big line. You'll just have to believe me.
6: <laughs> but
2: yeah, so he has, he has an impressive uh, effort pool of 10, which means he's got a really big pile of dice here. He's got a 0, 4 ones, which is the highest set I've ever naturally rolled for this game, uh, three, a five, and two eights. Uh, he had initiative values. Uh, looks it's like he just lost Kenny. Okay. Oh, that's uh, too bad. Uh,
1: we're definitely going to have to find a replacement for Skype. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean,
2: like Discord's oh, our, our uh, next, our uh, next go-to. And we,
1: I've been, been trying to make that a thing. <clears throat> What's that? the? Just to clarify, what is the recording situation
0: on Discord? Um, I think it shouldn't be much different, different to uh, Skype, as far as I'm aware, because um, I've got some friends who do live streams and stuff, etc. Mm-hmm. and they moved from Discord to Skype. Um, the main problem that they had was recording their own camera for the purposes of live stream. That being said, otherwise, recording audio and all those kinds of things, no problem. Okay. Very similar to Skype and similar programs work as well. Um, the main thing as well is that if you want to preserve video cams, then you have to set it up as, like, a private call, cool. you invite people into the group, and you can use that to keep on messages and all that kind of stuff as well. Okay, yeah, it seems like it would be a pretty easy switch then wants to do on the interface. So, <laughs> that's good news.
2: Well, uh, if only we'd managed to do that beforehand. Oh, well. Wow. <laughs> uh, at this, at this point, he actually might be able to kick your guys' asses, so let's find out. Anyway, um, so... When you're doing stuff on your turn, uh, proactively you get a single thing you could do with a set of one die. So if you wanted to throw out a relatively weak attack, you could take a 0 or a 3 or a 5 and just use that to attack. That's a relatively weak rank 1 attack, but you can do it. And the reason that's useful is because a lot of times you want to kind of bait someone's dice out of them without really risking much of your own. It's really useful for stuff like that. There's a lot of kind of surprising strategic depth to things like that. In addition to that, if you want to do more than just that one thing, you have to have sets. And you can either use any naturally rolled sets, so this set of four ones, which you can break up into sets of two ones and two ones, or a set of two eights. So that's, right now he's got three actions he can do just with his natural stuff. But the real way you usually get actions is that you... Purchase them with your prana. You take one of your techniques, spend its prana cost, and almost all of them are at least rank one, or like sometimes rank two. And if you match those with your dice, which it's the same thing as rolling dice, you're just kind of buying them in this case. You can get a lot of different attacks. So a lot of times, especially if you go first, like this guy is doing, you'll use a, uh, you'll take your your higher facing dice and you'll charge them all up with a technique each, and just have this onslaught of attacks you can hit somebody with. It's really hard to answer that, uh, especially early on. Now, what I found in previous playtesting, which I'm a little bit concerned about, is this can lead to a situation where if, if a guy like this gets an alpha strike, he can take out a weaker character before they have a chance to do anything. That's not really an ideal fun situation for that character. The overall combat is really tense after that, but it sort of sucks for that one player.
5: So I'm not going to have him do
2: that, even though I think strategically that's probably the clever thing to do. I'm going to have him just act like a general asshole, and I guess uh, just kind of try to wreck all of y'all. So let's see what kind of powers he has. All right. Let's see. I actually printed out my Golden Lion's techniques from their lore, which I need, to, I need to find a better way to reference these in-game. This is a problem that I had when I ran Exalted, too, where there were these big lists of powers, and you could whip out your one giant book to figure out what any one character did for any given action, that's a little...
6: Mm, it's a little
2: tough. And they solved that with charm cards in Exalted, where you just print out something that looks a little like this, and it would just have power sets on it. So that was relatively better, but still not ideal. There are less powers in this game, but it's there's still that reference difficulty. Yeah, I cool do this guy, do? Uh, do, you, do you find that in uh, Wandering Heroes 2, Brendan, or there's a lot of... That stuff oh, a big, big time. It,
1: well, so... Uh, what I find with that is, is number one, it gets easier with time. So the longer people play the game, the less of an issue that is because people are just more familiar with their own abilities. They're they're more on the ball in terms of they, they know what abilities to take out when they're about to attack and stuff. Uh, for the GM, it's a workload because you have to you have to. If, if, you, if you're a GM who preps everything in advance, it's not a big issue because you'll have all the techniques that you know you're going to use. If you're more like me and you tend to not know how everything's going to go in the evening and some random NPC could show up that you weren't planning on, then you have to be become really adept at, at key-searching the PDF or knowing what the major techniques are. I mean, are.
0: As, as an external kind of like, you know, accessory that could be added into the games and stuff, especially for a game like *Wandering Heroes vogue, Gate, where you do have a large amount of techniques, but it's not necessarily something like, you know, uh, Dungeons and Dragons with all the different spells and stuff and all the different levels. You could potentially have, like, a flashcard kind of system where you've got, like, you know, an image of somebody using the technique, the name of the technique, the effect of it and stuff, Mm -hmm. etc. And then on the back of it, possibly some, you know, good techniques to pair it with, or Possible vulnerabilities for the technique, you know, and that can be used by players or by GMs or whatever, just kind of like, you know, if GM wants to, they can give out the technique cards to their players, to whoever's paying them, just so they've got something quick to refer to, or, you know, etc. I think
2: it's a good uh, idea, uh, especially whenever, whenever like, all, all the powers and all the kung fu are in the general lore sheets of the character creation section, so, like, just having, like, a little sheet. Of printable cards along with your character sheet. Printable cards as well is really useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a reasonable solution.
1: But I will say, Joel, on the GM side is where you're going to lose people more than on the player side. The uh, uh-huh. that, that's that's where like that's where I've actually been told by people, my GM doesn't want to run the game because it's too complicated to look up things. Now I've also met people that love that level of complexity. With you know what I mean? So it's balanced out by the fact that. You kind of you have to pick up. You have to pick a side. You basically have to say well, it's going to be simple or it's going to be hard. And
0: well, there's there's, there's two there's two parts to it actually. Because there's like complexity of the actual thing, and then there's accessibility. Right? Yeah. Okay. That's fair. So it may be very complex rule system. But the accessibility is very accessible because it's, you know, accurately indexed and stuff mm-hmm. and whatever thing you're using it with has kind of like hyperlinks or whatever. So you can very funny what funny. I think
2: that I'm concerned about mostly. Because like if you have seven different lores of seven different factions and each one has its own set of Kung Fu, going through that can be difficult unless it was like color coded or really well laid uh, out.
1: And, and uh, what I've what I've heard from well there's there was one case where where, where GM just didn't want to run the system anymore because it was getting too difficult, and I think I think even if I had indexed everything and like you know like Adam put together that um, that technique thing that we have that makes it pretty easy to find them, I think even if I had given them that, it would have still frustrated the person because I think what they didn't like was every time a new NPC that they weren't expecting showed up, they had to look up a technique that they weren't familiar with and implement it, and so. I think even if I could streamline the looking up process, it was the, oh, damn, another new technique that I don't know coming into play. So, um, but but I do think accessibility is, is, is where you
2: want to put your energy, if you have... Yeah, you know, I can, And it's more stuff that, that I can force uh, Vic to do at money point.
0: Money, money, money right? <laughs> well, another thing to do with accessibility is that, that there's always, like, third-party things, for example. No. So, like... You know, accessibility for Dungeons & Dragons has always been affected by they're stuck in the books and you have to get through to them and all that kind stuff. But then, you know, there are resources online such yeah. as even like, you know, the D&D's put up now and etc. where you can search through them for the different spells and just searching it's a lot faster than, you know, searching through the book. Well, it, you know my what strategy it's with like it's a wiki, something right. stuff up,
2: has always been if the only person that really needs the book is the GM, but it's going to be in their lap. You know, yeah. So, like, as long as it's easy to look stuff up, I'm not really worried. Because there's, there's going to be a monster section. Well, there's okay. going to be yeah. I'll,
1: tell, I'll tell you where you'll run into issues is when you have NPCs that have specific abilities in one section of the book, and then the person has to keep going back to find those abilities. But the worst yeah. situation is when I have three NPCs on three different pages, and then I have to also go and look up all of their techniques. That's when it gets challenging. Um, yeah, and that's something I'm running
2: into even with this playtest is, like, there's there's just too much text in a given technique to put it anywhere on a sheet, even a whole sheet. What things, you can do... Like, your own power sheet.
1: Here's what I did in OgreGate. You can see this if you look at some of the... I didn't do it consistently, so it's not particularly useful, but I started to do it more consistently as the line went on. You, you come up with a really condensed text description of a technique... For the purposes yeah, uh, of putting uh, it uh, into NPC entries.
2: So from you, come to think of it. So he already stole that, Bo. Oh, Okay. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. I like but, that. Yeah, that's like, that's pretty much. I handy. rob you. We'll <laughs> 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 the RPG industry folks. Okay, so he makes a he moves a mountains worth of uh, stone with magic power. All
1: right. So cool. so what, is, what does he move exactly? Yeah, as,
2: as he's as he's falling towards you guys, he gestures yes, he with his hands and like. Just these walls of raw stone start erupting out of the ground, and the pavement starts cracking. And he basically makes like an igloo, like a thunder igloo thing around you guys, preventing escape as his army tries to scatter out of it. Some of them do, and the rest are hideously crushed in that. But it's legit; like this whole area is now a huge thunder You guys have to fight in, so no more running away for you, coward.
1: Yeah, there's a huge just getting like, trapped inside
2: of it. You have been trapped inside of it prior to that. Uh, he's higher than they should have rostered than. Is
1: you. he inside of it too?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's Thunderdome and you bitches. You yeah. got to deal with that. Is
1: there any water in the vicinity?
2: Uh yeah, actually, actually whenever he, he does that, that a bunch of, bunch of the pipes and the and underwater like catches the the and basins break open, so there's so like water like, spraying, like, spraying out from from, right? from from ruptured mains and like leaking yeah. down little streams and what have you. So it's actually very wet in here now.
1: Is everybody wet? You know, What's that? Yeah, we all essentially oh, wet ooh. from the...
0: Oh, I, I do have something to mention. I'm sorry for being the uh, tricksy, you know, no, uh, no. Rule, rule player and all that kind of stuff. But, I think last time what I'd done was I used leopard and Monkey action mm-hmm. to make sure that I could move before my foe took any other actions.
2: Oh, you're right. I, I think uh, I think leopard and Monkey is defensive, so you actually would use that on his action. Uh, that's both a defense, in this case you would need a defense, and it's also a jump away. That's really cool, and useful. So the real question is, can you clear Thunderdome before it closes around you? And I think you're a rank 5, which means, yeah, you totally can. So you I are... leave it was... Yeah. So yeah, you are outside Thunderdome, leaving your friends to their fate. Fuck you guys! <laughs> oh,
0: I'm gonna make a <laughs> mech. <I'm> gonna be <laughs> back f- in mech. Well, I, I do want to say... But uh, one of my positive things is recovering a helpful artifact of the ancient world, and if a giant mech ain't that, I don't know what is. One um, of my negative things is rely on another rather than your own strength. So I don't give a fuck but he's pissed enough. <laughs> Good on you, Nuke. <laughs>
6: he'll be
2: back. This
0: will be great.
1: <laughs> so how does it? So, so, so. Just to be clear, he's done this thing, but Elliot managed to escape. Is that the? That's correct. And so whose turn is it now?
2: It is still his turn. He's just he going to launch a single attack at one of you. Uh, Since so there's only two of you left. Let me see. We've got Cave Buffalo, um, uh, Stephen, right? Yep. All right.
0: What's, what's what's your guy? Who's your character? Uh, nuke.
2: nuke. Oh, man. I love Nuke. Uh, she was in another playtest of mine that I really greatly enjoyed. Oh, man. So, One thing what I'm a little on is how exactly you use uh, techniques in combat. Oh, I'll show you. Let me let me demonstrate an offensive technique right now. I'll have him attack you. So thank you for volunteering.
6: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so in this case, uh, he's just going to hit you with a, a weaker level technique because he's only got eight. He actually only has um eight left for his stuff. He's going to take uh let's go with this five here and hit you with some magic. Uh, here we go. Nope, that's way too powerful. Hmm. Hmm! (laughs) Just a second, I gotta find a reasonable technique. There's gotta be some kind of just hit them with a sword technique I wrote. Surely i was not this much of a pawn. Just
0: give him, just make him slap out with a regular (laughs) pawn. Let's see.
2: Blade the Master's hands. Well, I've got, um, a lot of the weaker techniques in this style give you a lot of versatility, but don't really make you more powerful, exactly. Like, Blade the Master's hand is as close as I've got to just, like, a... An offensive technique at that level. So that kind of sucks. Let's see. Uh, Expert. Boulder and landslide motion. Shaping Earth. Earth care meditation. That makes you zany. Hmm. I really don't have a lot of hit them with a sword attack in the sword based magic style. That's a problem. Well. <laughs> New plan. He's going to use grass-cutting attack with his last eight magic. Oh boy, <laughs> that's fine. I've got a giant pile of d10s, a couple of giants swallowed by the board. So, grass-cutting attack. Uh, cost 8, so he's gonna spend his 8 remaining Prana on that, so it's totally empty. Made a mountain he's using this. Um, the way this works is you go down to... Uh, usually you would look at uh, the facing of this one. This one is random. What that means is that instead of having a, a set facing, you get to roll dice. In this case, it's 3d10. Um, uh, the resulting phases may be, may empower any attacker or defense with a balanced weapon, that's swords and things like that, until the end the round, when they are discarded. So these are kind of like getting to roll even more dice than you usually would. So I got a 4, a 6, and an 8. i can use the 8 with my 8s. Cool. Uh, let's see. i use the 4 for the 6, though. They might need to focus or create their purpose. Non-defense, bonus actions, and power. as must be at least right. Two as usual. Okay. So what this does is it basically generates three more dice that if I compare them, increase in attack. Well, I happen to roll uh, the 3d10. I rolled an 8, which I compare with my set of 8s to get a rank 3 attack. So going to use a sword and hit you with it. Uh, this is rank 3, facing 8. So what's happening right now is you've got a 38 coming at you. If you choose to do nothing, uh, what, you ha- what that will do is kill you. If you so just want, want to take it out on the, the chin it. without defending at all, just like see if your like meat and bones can absorb it, you can spin at your health levels. Uh, there's 10 HP per health level, and you can try to reduce it to zero with that. If you can't reduce it to zero, it's So got
0: my crashed. Oh, that's oh. good. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll oh, you like you'd hit me with
2: it. After okay, storm. all right. So if, if Q's are now, you dive. If you want to buy it down with the hit points in your health boxes, each one of your, your health boxes, I think you have five, has 10 HP in it. So I can just reduce it by one each. Uh, that can injure you, but you will survive it. If you want to defend against it, you take a set of your own. So whatever you rolled last time, whatever dice you have, and you just compare that to it. You can only use one set to defend against a single attack. Uh, but what that'll do is it'll reduce his attack by that amount, and whatever's left, you might take his damage or it might kill you.
0: I can't oh. remember for sure, because I'm pretty sure I took a picture of my phone, which doesn't want to turn on.
2: So, okay, what's your effort? We'll just roll it again.
0: But, I'm pretty sure the only set I had was a set of two threes. Alright. Well, he's at a 38,
2: you could block him with your 23.
0: But, I think you have some
2: defensive techniques. Yeah, Let me look it yeah, up. You, uh, you have all the novice level ones for your style, and you should yeah. have a single expert level one.
0: I have Fire Fiends Attitude. Uh... Yeah. flash Fire Fiends Attitude. armor bunting attacks beautiful okay
2: so in this case you want to use a defensive technique so you want to whenever you're scanning the different ones you have uh, looking out at the keywords there's really two that you should ever concern yourself with offensive which means you can only attack with it and defensive which means you can only defend with it uh, yeah. fire friends attitude is, the, is a really good one for defense and I think your other one I think your expert level one is something like dragon's breath or afterburn yeah. defense, which is offense yeah burning piston strike would that yeah. help in that situation with the dodging yeah, it's, it is versatile, so it can. Uh, versatile is offense or defense. So, uh, that's rank zero five. 5 so your set of two 3s uh, would pair with it, too. Uh, it's, yeah. it's the same thing is basically using 3 Prana to buy another die of facing 3. And you just combine that with your other ones. Very straightforward. Now, it's it's rank 1, so that's the number of dice, effectively, that you buy with it. More powerful ones, uh, for example, your, what just say, you had a after Burner Fist was the uh, expert level you had, that's a rank 2. So you would, you would effectively buy 2 dice with that one if you use that uh, technique. That's a weird way of describing it, but it is a little unintuitive at first. Anyway, so let's say that you don't want to get killed by this uh, this 38 coming at you. Okay. Let's say you're uh, you're really not a fan of that. Okay, okay. I'm going to use your burning Fist and Strike, cool. So you spend 3 Prana. Yeah. And you uh, you take your your twenty three you've got your two threes and you just add another three to it you get thirty three now you're beefy as hell, and it also does stuff in the effect so whatever the effect is happens too. I don't actually know, you know what that is. You move with startling speed, blocking, dodging, throwing leg sweeps or punching with machine gun swiftness. Oh, that's just bluff. It was actually pretty super powerful, but you need to do that. And uh, instead of taking a ridiculous thirty eight. You reduce it by 33, and only take 5 damage, or half the health box. Which I think is pretty good, considering he just swiped at you with a magic sword, cackling with lightning. I see done. Indeed. So, did you do that? Because I was all talking in hypotheticals. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so you just mark off 5 damage from your first health box. That's not even enough to injure you. Oh, actually, you don't even have to do that. Because... There's another thing that all characters have that I totally failed to put in here. They have something called aura. aura. Think of Aura as the kind of magical shield you have before you start losing health. I think that everyone has five, except for enlightened characters who have six. Uh, it's just like hit points. It'll immediately come back at the end of combat once you rest it for a minute. But during combat, it's really useful for not taking those critical damages. So like, you can just be like, I'm just going to use my five from that and not get hurt at all. If you want to. So, but he has some aura they can spin to defend themselves, too. There's actually a lot of layers between you and dying in this game, because it, <laughs> it can be pretty lethal otherwise. <laughs> anyway, so that'll... Let me see. I think that's going to conclude his turn. He's only got three dice left. He's, he's all done venting his spleen on you. Use all of his magic, so... Yeah, he's just going to chill. <laughs> he's, he's done doing stuff. And, uh, let me see. Ooh, looks like I've got... Brendan next, followed by Stephen and Elliot. So,
1: Ma- Brendan, it is your
2: turn to do stuff, right. Mister Walk Buffalo. You asked about the water. Are yeah, you the I, I, I'm super I, into it.
1: So, I have two options here. I'm not sure which one is the best. One, I have water charming mantra, and I have razor tipped waves, and both uh, seem like they would be applicable when water is raining on everybody. Um, so, with water charming mantra, the thought I had was I could maybe try to use that to direct a bunch of water onto him to freeze and encase him. Um, but if the water's already raining all over him, maybe razor-tipped waves would be enough. I, I don't know if that's a powerful enough weapon because it sounds like it's fairly weak. So I just wanted some clarification on um, on how much, you know, how much I would expect razor-tipped waves to actually harm somebody uh, before I use it on this guy because he sounds like a bit of a titan.
2: He is a bit of a titan. Uh, let me see. breached Waves, what do you do? That makes weapons, isn't
1: it? Yeah, create a weapon or small, simple item out of water. Uh, solid items are as brittle as ice. Uh, if you create a weapon, you gain its bonus once for free, and you may levitate and control it with your will. So I guess I'd have to kind of turn it into one weapon. Is that the...
2: the yeah, for, and you can do that more than once. You can use the same technique as many times as you want in your turn, as long as you can afford it, just not on the same action. All right. So I guess like, you can just...
1: I guess I'll go with the water charming mantra then, and try to encase him in
2: ice. That's a cool cool. one. All right. So So let's see here. Looks like like that one has cost cost three. So it cost three three of your delicious prana. All right, let me see. How much prana do I have? What's
1: that? How much prana do I have?
2: You should start with ten. Okay. And uh, you're going to recover two every round. Now, oh, all right. if you want to take a spirit action, you can actually open up one of your slumbering chakra and get more. The amount you get depends on how powerful that spirit action is.
1: Uh, I would get more prana if I did that.
2: Yeah, yeah the, the, the way it works. Actually, I should, I should have, have had to do that on his turn. But let me let me run you through how he would have done that if I hadn't been stupid. <laughs> so the way that works is you take a set of at least two, or if you have spirit mastery, a set of one. It has to be at least a rank two action. You say I'm going to open up one of my slumbering chakra. The rank that the action is, is how much recovery that's going to have. And that's going to influence how big the pool is going to be on it. It's basically pool is uh, recovery times five.
6: All right. Well,
1: uh, for so. simplicity's sake, maybe I'll just try using the technique plainly this time. Just so I uh, understand how <laughs> if, that works. And let's then, do then, this one at time. Then a one time. And if I survive the time next long. round, then I'll try doing a, um, uh, the opening sure. of the chakra. Okay,
2: so... so. What what a charming mantra does is basically you spend three of your ten prana and you get a die that is facing uh, either three, four, five, or six. So you just put that right there near your other dice and you can combine that with any other dice that you want to make this a more powerful grab
1: attack. And I get to select the number that it's it's facing?
2: Yes. You're buying this this technique so you can select any number in that that range. Three, four, five, or six in this case.
1: And I can do it after I can select the number after I roll, or to do it before I roll?
2: Well, we've already got all your dice in front of you. So you've already rolled all the dice. You're going to roll this turn.
1: I, I haven't rolled any dice yet.
2: That's unfortunate because everyone, everyone should have already. Oh. Because oh. you roll at the beginning of your of your turn, and you just take, you peel off some initiative and then your remaining dice are what you have as a resource to act for the rest of the turn.
1: Okay, so what do I need to roll to make that happen?
2: Well, in this case, you would be rolling your effort pool.
1: So sixty ten.
2: Yep, just roll them. Line them up. All right.
1: And so then I'm looking for sets, right?
2: Yep. Uh, just I, line them up from smallest number to highest, and any ones that have the same facing, the same number on them, just put, put them the on top, top of one another. Okay.
1: And are other numbers still useful or only facing numbers useful? What do you mean by that? <laughs> um, well... Do I only care about the sets, or do I only care about? Oh, so you
2: care about all of them because okay. the ones that aren't sets you might use for defense or to Okay, line with the techniques or they still might Just, okay, right.
1: and so, um, so and so that I can take this other die that I'm buying and I can set that to anything from three to four to five. So I'm going to set that to five. Okay. Um, which will give me a set of ones and a set of fives.
2: Um, you. Yeah. And so now what do I do? Okay. Well, since you're trying to attack him and grab him with the water, we're just going to look under the effect of this and see what it can do precisely. Uh, The effect says you can command or transform water. So Let me see what that means. Command means you can levitate, shape, and mold a volume of water using the final rank of this technique as a power effect. And what it's... What that's referencing there, and I should probably to make this more obvious, is that you'll look at the power effect chart to see how much you could have lifted with just raw power, and you're just going to kind of translate that into the volume of water you can move around.
6: Okay. So it's
2: like, uh, it's it's two. So looking at rank two for the power effect chart, which, if I did this correctly, would be, uh, actually I did do this correctly, I printed it out so I can just look at it. Actually, I think I have the older version of the power effect chart, so you're going to be a little more powerful than this. Okay. Yeah, right two. It looks like you can lift about 400 pounds or 150 kilos, uh, which is the equivalent of a full drum of oil or two adult humans with that. So that's a pretty significant volume of water you can lift up with that.
1: Yeah, and I want to turn that all into ice encasing him.
2: Yep, and that's going to be the transform action, uh, which says freeze slash thaw an equal amount of water surface on contact, up to 10 feet. Um, 10 inches? Yeah, 10 10 inches inches in in thickness. thickness. So that's a pretty solid sheet to be encasing him in. This can be used to make ice bridges across lakes or freeze a flow below the surface of a pond, for instance. In this case, you're just going to make him into a glacier, right? Yep. Yep. All right. So what that's effectively going to be is an attack, a very special kind of attack, uh, which is called a grab. Basically, rather than doing direct damage to this guy, if you're able to successfully grab him, he can't move or do anything almost at all until he's released from that. Okay. Uh, aside from defend himself in some circumstances, so you're going to launch that at him, and he's got to defend against it. So it looks like you got You said that was a twenty-five that he's going to throw at him. Did you like summon the water up to grab him and, and freeze it?
1: So uh, that was a what that I I didn't catch the number there.
2: Oh, uh, 25, You got a set of two
1: fives. I have a set of two fives. Yeah, so that's what I would use. Is a set of two fives.
0: Okay. So your gravity. Yep, that's right. I just had a funny thought for a like prolonged attack. You for using this kind of like technique when ice uh, freezes, it obviously expands a bit, right? So you could just repeatedly like fall out and refreeze water in his nasal cavity, oh. so as to make it progressively expand and drill out a passageway straight into his brain and lobotomize him. That is the most horrible thing that is absolutely going to happen in a game
2: now.
6: <laughs> that's, that's why I love that
2: kind of, like, that broader description, because you can do anywhere from I freeze him a block of ice to I lobotomize him with ice.
1: So well That's, if, if yeah, it just if, take longer. <laughs> well if if any moisture on his body is fair game, we could like we could we could just like freeze his heart, right? Or freeze his eyeballs and and, 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 and cause them to shatter. Well, uh, well you see uh,
0: he has, here's where I'd go a bit. Because like his own blood and stuff, etc., is like gonna be frumming with his own power. So I'd imagine that would like interfere with it. But using the uh, like water ice to just gradually pour up into his like you know, brain, unless he can get himself out of the situation. I mean, I'd assume it would take a long time to constantly unfreeze, freeze it, unfreeze, freeze it, etc. Like, you see, no, that to me just seems like a more secure way of securing a death, but it requires, like, you know, setup. Mechanically, <laughs>
1: what Elliot's de- describing mechanically would work for that movie we just saw, where the snakes are burrowing in the guy's body and she's I, in
2: control. Yeah, it would. Um, it's gonna be a fun discussion by the way. I freaking love Battle Wizards, it was really good. So it's a great title. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway, so okay, yeah. Sorry, I was okay he, I, found to himself. Oh, what's I found the picture. Oh what's that? I found the picture, no, I was wrong, I didn't have two threes, I had two sevens, so we'll roll with it. <laughs> well, sorry about that. You know, yeah. now, you, uh let's see. It's my fault, I was convinced it's it was three. <laughs> All right. it's, it's your phone's fault, Steve. It is your phone's fault.
2: I yeah. like technology squarely. Okay, so let's see what kind of a... I think this this is a very defensive style. So let's see. name a y 2 k
5: Yeah, he's at
2: Heaven Gold Illumination. Let's see if this will work. It's uh, facing <laughs> 0 to 5. Oh, he costs uh, Prana. He doesn't have any Prana. He's got to do his, uh, his normal stuff. Yeah, he blew all of his Prana wad, making a mountain for you guys to fight <laughs> him. He's totally oh, defenseless. Joel. Dumb. Sure. Joel,
1: not not to not to uh, cause a catastrophe here, but also in relation to that discussion, is it possible for us to end this at five forty five so that um, we can jump into that discussion?
2: Uh, Jeez, I, I think we should be done by five forty five, shouldn't
1: we? We not Well, it's already five twenty. Um,
2: oh, well, that's that, right. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're saying five for your. Yeah, uh, it's four here. I was like, oh, I got plenty to- Oh no, I
1: don't. <laughs> <laughs> if we need to divide <laughs> this into three parts, we can.
2: Um, well, I don't know. I mean, like, I think if we get to the, the end, end of this combat where you guys break this guy's, guy's head against a rock or something, something, that's a pretty satisfactory conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe not, not amazing, but it's all right. Unless he packs our heads on We'll find out. out. We well, he's about to get frozen. Because uh, the most he can defend uh, himself with is this 5, which make it 15, which... Pretty... No, he wouldn't have recovered any Pana. Not yeah. No, he can't do it until the end of the round. So strategically, yeah. this is a really good move, Brendan. Now, he is going to try to swipe it with his cackling lightning sword with his uh, his 5, which turns into a 15, because it's a single set of 1 with basic 5, which reduces it from 25 to nearly 10. However, unfortunately, that still means he's encased in a rank 1 bodysuit of frozen liquid, and he's like, ah, as you capture him with that. So good on you, Brendan. He is—he is, he is grabbed in future rounds. Remember, you—you you have control of that water. so You can throw him around with it, or throw more water onto it, and okay. all kinds of great okay. stuff.
1: I think mean, I'm gonna—I'm gonna—I'm gonna send him smashing his head into my melon hammer. Is what I'm gonna do. Uh, oh yeah,
2: it's—it's it's still your turn. You can do that now if you want to. Oh, I use my set of ones.
1: Can I use my I set, of set of ones to send him crashing face first into my melon hammer?
2: Yeah, why not? It's still gonna—I mean, like you have still got control of those waters. So yeah, just be like, ah,
1: I'm just going to am you know what? I'm gonna have—I'm gonna have him come forward to me, and I'm gonna just smash him right across Ooh. the jaw.
2: That sucks. All, All right. right, so that's so, still so gonna be, a, be an attack on your part. So get, get me another set that you want to hit him the with. The set of ones is what I have remaining. So set of ones? ones? Okay, that's, that's a, a twenty-one to his freaking face. Uh, he can defend, defend with, with a, a thirteen, but uh, it's still gonna hurt because melon hammers are heavy weapons. So the way that works is, and I believe, I upgraded this recently, I believe it's you roll a d10 and add that to the damage that you do. So you got 21, he's got 13, that's a difference I, of 8. Is I got right? a
1: 9. I got a 9. All
2: right. Nine? I was just going to say, do you add that one to and he gets 17
0: damage. Jesus, that hurts. And what if you'd encased him in ice, and then used more ice to, like, create a large protuberance up above his chest that you could smash with the mound just create extra pressure on his chest and try and cave it in. <laughs> cave
1: that in. could work, too. I think, I think, uh, I think what's my guy's name? Cave, um, Cave Buffalo is not... If you saw a picture of Cave Buffalo, that seems like it's slightly above his level of intellect
4: <laughs> to, uh, to devise.
6: Yeah,
2: because like, you didn't draw him smart, <laughs> Cave
0: Buffalo... Alright. Well he's going to use prejudice, you know, that's just assuming things based on his looks. You know that is true. could <laughs> the the be a genius. Or, you know.
1: I'm sorry, what'd you say, Joel? I
0: designed design Despite the entire the character, you
2: know, aside from the accident. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that is that is pretty <laughs> prejudice of me. <laughs> so you smash <laughs> him in the <laughs> face. Um, unfortunately there's only a small trickle of blood, even though you hammer him with this thing. You do <laughs> punch through 17 points of his aura which is like the magical chi energy defending him so he's down to eight from 25 this This guy's bad bad news that's a a good good hit okay all right so y'all are you all 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 done done whooping this guy's guy's aspirin
1: unless i can use this two four seven i think i'm
2: done uh, i would just save him for now i'll I'll teach you some stuff about saving them we'll learn we'll all learn together okay
0: isn't that just using um open chakras you could, um, but, but you have to have at least, least a rank 2 Well, sorry, side. no, focus no. slots even, sorry.
2: Oh, yeah, you, well, you could, could put them in a focus, focus in slot, too. Uh, yeah, how many focus slots do you have, How
1: many focus? Let me see. I have one focus slot, so what does that allow me to do?
0: If you... It does you. Oh, okay. go ahead. Sorry. sorry, you could take one of the uh, dice rolls that you've got, and I think it could be any of the ones, even if you've used it during the round. No, and only ones remaining. Only ones remaining, okay. And you can pop it into one of your focus slots to reserve it for the next round. Yeah, yeah, I believe you is, wouldn't, wouldn't be able to be able re-roll that after die next round, though. No, so yeah. you can roll all your effort dice. You still get to roll all your effort dice as well. That's really cool. Oh
2: yeah, focus okay. is, is rad, uh, but it's kind of a slow burn thing. It doesn't really happen in the first turn. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not I'm, 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 I'm I'm
1: impatient, so I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, we'll move on to Steven's
2: turn. Okay, okay. Let's, let's see, let's see what Steve's yeah. got.
0: Okay, so
5: how much Prana do? You,
0: how, how do we tell how much Prana we've got? You've got ten Prana at the start. Okay, uh, soprano is the cost of the technique, and right. uh, you recover two per turn at the end of the turn. Okay, so I should. Okay, so, yeah. So I've used three so far. So... I'm gonna. I've got a nine, a single nine. So can I use fire discipline motion? Because that's rank one. Uh, as,
2: as long as the facing allows for a nine, then
0: yeah. Yeah. I think I've, I've got a single nine a So, so yes. that's... And I just basically go oh, Avatar, Last Airbender, <laughs> Fire, Spending, punch.
2: Oh yeah, it's very much Avatar: The Last Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> I stole so much from them. Oh, I'm nice, I I like like the that
0: show so much. So.
2: Well, uh, every every silent here is based on Avatar or *This Is the North Star*, so you're in good company. <laughs> Like, like, you know, he just used a waterbender technique. Like, exactly like the water tribe would have yeah. done it. I think
1: it. Steve just froze, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, it's
0: too bad. Oh, no, he has, yeah. Although, I was
2: just geeking out.
0: It's not fair. That's
6: <laughs> hmm. uh-huh.
1: one of the more I interesting
0: think, freezes I have, think though. Kenny passed on something to Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he infected me. <laughs> yeah. he, didn't wash his, he didn't wash his hands before he joined the conversation. <laughs> Very Very that's why Okay, yeah, so punch fire
2: at him. Yay, punch fire! All right, let's see how that works. Fire friend's attitude. Uh, let's see. Oh, no, fire discipline notion. That's right, you can just go poof and do, do fireman punch at him. Blast a out of flame from your striking limb. Creates a rank one fire hazard with point of impact. Now, mind you, the intent of that is in addition to hitting him with the fire punch... You set him on fire or you create fire around him. Because the other techniques in here also key off fire happening. Did he freeze again? Did everyone freeze? He did freeze, freeze. yeah. Okay. I think Brenda was just being very still.
1: I was being very still. I was was Now, Can
0: I I point something out here? Yeah, sure. Ice and fire, right? Okay. This could be utilized. This could be utilized. If, well, the the water. Way works. if the water, right, if, if the ice t- transforms into water, it gets up to boiling or anything like that, one, you've got a schooling effect. But two, as you have control over it, I believe that includes whatever uh, way it is, right? You can have it in, as control whilst it's a water vapour, and if you spread it out far enough, then that water vapour will in fact be flammable because it is oxygen rich,
2: and that mm-hmm. could create a vapour explosion. Oh yeah, and actually, that particular thing where you're using the more creative interpretation of elements, part of the thing I wanted to do in the rules that I've yet to write is called the battle of elements, because that makes sense in a more scientific scale, but like in the magical scale In a magical scale, it depends on the intensity of of magical power in (laughs) it Absolutely. Well, it's even more than that The elements themselves are animistic they're they're squabbling over how reality works. So physics
5: mm-hmm. is just physics. There's also a
2: bunch of more or less sentient, you know. It's like
5: light and dark fight against each other. If you try and
2: combine them in the same space, one of them is going to try and be dominant. Yeah, and and, and basically what you'll have in, in whatever you're actually doing is is you'll have have this living sheet of what the current landscape of how the elements are looks like. And who can do what with what element? Like you're talking about like, is blood water?
6: That's a good question.
2: I don't think that, that Blood thinks so. Water certainly would love that, though. Water's like, yeah, oh, uh-huh. Uh, so the, way, the way that works is whoever had the most recent, most powerful element control gets to, to kind of dictate that,
5: because that elements
2: are much more passive and aren't really willing to fight I it think, out. I think Blood would be like
0: iron and water as well,
2: like control. Oh, yeah. And like and there's metal controlling styles in here. So, if you want to do Magneto yeah. with blood, you'd have to fight it out with the guy who's trying to do bloodbending from Avatar. And they would go, whoever's got the best magic. Yeah, and that's great, and it sets a precedent. Like, the most powerful recent thing sets the precedent for what the elements agree on. Hmm.
0: So, and that's and it's awesome. also in their interest to, like, raise champions of their own and stuff,
2: etc. <laughs> yeah. you'll, you'll know there's a lot of elemental association between the clans, they don't blend a whole lot, that's intentional. It's, it's so that players and individual campaigns can blend them as they will. Uh, actually, it's kind of similar to the way I'm doing the... And, and this is this seems unrelated, but in my brain, it seems totally related. I'm doing a, a Dune OSR game, and, like, one of the things that struck me as really bad about Dune was how the shields work, and how, like, the combat doesn't make sense, even if you take it at face value with other things <laughs> with the But <large laughs> I'm like, well, you could still drop a bomb, though. It, wouldn't, it doesn't make any sense. So, like... I decided, like, okay, I could sit here and think of every tactical permutation that comes to my mind and still ultimately be wrong, or even better, I just tell them how it works and let them figure the hell out. Just mention to GMs who are going to run it, like, hey, look, the, the way that, that combat works in this won't actually make perfect tactical sense. What you're seeing is before it totally adjusts how shields work, and you're going to see how it totally adjusts in your campaign, because your players are way more inventive and bloodthirsty than either you or I will ever be. So they're gonna be the ones setting how Warfare works, because they're the creators. Yeah. They'll get the, the advantage of being creative. I like that, because it That's puts it back in the hands of the players where it should be. That's cool.
0: Well, so fire punch. <laughs> anyway, yeah, fire
2: punch. Uh, what's what's the total of the attack you're gonna burn this guy to death with? Um, s- I'm ah, just using a single nine. Alright. And uh, you're gonna add that to your fire punch that you bought, right? So it's gonna wind up being a uh, right two. Uh, facing 9. Because remember, this is a rank uh, rank 1 attack, so it's like buying an entire Yep. I'm confused. Yeah. It's okay. At uh, no, w- first,
0: it's really unintuitive. And then so when basically, you uh, spent the Prana costume, mm-hmm. which means that you, you do the actual um, technique out of rank 1, okay? But to perform it, you need to have like a die that's facing it or anything like that. And that die in itself is a rank one. Oh,
6: it gets added together. So get together, together to and it's essentially
0: work. like, hmm? yeah, exactly. So, okay. like, if, you, if a facing is just but it can be any one of those, you know, and that's what okay. it matches to what you've got. Okay, he actually, so that's, that's the working. best facing, dude, because nine is, like,
2: the highest you can roll. So that, that sucks for him. Because his only remaining defensive die is a zero. <laughs> Sorry, dude. It, burns. it does <laughs> work. It's so. not he he defends with ten, so he takes nineteen damage, which burns to the rest of his aura. Uh, let me see, and also does eleven damage to him, so you actually hurt him significantly.
5: So you get through his
2: aura, and he lights on fire and starts shrieking in agony, not not realizing, apparently not realizing how badass you guys were. He starts to burn, and here's the fun thing: uh, you get to determine exactly how that injury manifests. He has an imbalance now, rank one. Because you're the guy who pushed through and started burning him. In addition to that, uh, that particular technique, like that fire, sticks around. It's not going to go away. So right now there's a, there's a rank 2 fire hazard burning on him. And also, he has a rank 1 imbalance. So I'm going to use a rank 2 fire hazard. fire oh, yeah, hazard. You know what you need to do? Burn this
5: motherfucker. on his crotch.
2: you Take care of it. <laughs> to, to give you an idea, and I was going to have, I was going to have more uh, different kind of unique kinds of imbalances. As it stands in the rules right now, there's a few different ones. You can either do his head and torso, and either kind of disorient him and injure him. You can do either of his arms, which could remove his ability to use his weapon, or either of his legs, which will injure his ability to move and flip around. And he can either take the, the dramatic element of that injury, where he's like limping around with one injured leg, or he can take that as just a hit to his effort pool before he rolls that turn. But the real clincher is, he has to take the dramatic one until he rolls again. So if you injure somebody with a fire punch to the sword arm, they can't use their sword until the next round. So that's kind of fun. Uh, and also, as he gets more injured, that injury can get worse. There's also a, a kind of injury that's the sort of, like, generic if you're burned, frozen, suffocated, in acid, whatever. Uh, it's been a while since I wrote that. I don't remember what
0: it does. Okay, okay those break. are the options. I'll go for the leg. We'll just say it was, like, right at the top of the leg, so I'll some of the crotch. All right. Leg plus crotch burn.
2: <laughs> Ouch. That is a rank one. And you'll, you'll note on the proper character sheet there's a little place for up to nine imbalances right here in the middle. I put those in the middle because you're going to reference of it at the beginning of every single round. And also, like, I want you to know how effed up you're getting when you're getting stabbed and burned and stuff like. Okay, so are you all done burning? Or perhaps you would like to follow that up with another punch in the head. You still have a couple of dice, right? Oh, do you freeze again? Do you freeze again? Yeah. This is... Draft. Drat. Drat. <laughs> <laughs> Rats! I, I do like, like I do like drat, uh, quite a bit. It's one of my things. Oh, I love I love saying bugger. It's a great one. Andy Chambers. That's who you remind me of. You remind me of Andy Chambers. You got that look, Andy Chambers.
0: Andy Chambers. It might be
1: Lemmy. Lemmy is who I think of when I see Elliot. Yeah. Doesn't
0: <laughs> <laughs> have a look. That's flattering. So well, yeah, trying. no, not not
1: guy. not Lemmy's ugliness and Lemmy's attitude and overall sort of you know. Yeah. Not. Not.
0: Maybe not, I should like. Shave this into, like, mutton chops and everything and get a mullet. <laughs> I
2: don't know if that would look super good on you, or any, on anyone,
5: really.
0: Well, what can I say? <laughs> um, Steve, you've done that. You've got some of your rolls left. You can do something else. You can possibly put some into um, focus slots. Hmm?
2: You could if you want to. Um, you're, a uh, you are a cutting arrow, as I recall, so you should have two open focus slots. Yeah. you can take two of your dice and save them there between rolls, or between rounds. Uh, at the end of the round, everyone's gonna clear out all remaining effort dice they rolled, unless they're saved in a, in a focus slot. Would I
5: then pull, pull the last next round? Nope, you roll your normal
2: amount, and you Long also line. have
5: yeah. two Yeah, okay, I'll save the five in my, my uh, focus you're
0: slot, beautiful. on. Beautiful! you Uh, let
2: me see... Is that everyone? That isn't everyone. Is it? it's Wait, me, it's me the guy. This guy's totally tapped out, you're about to wail on him, this is great.
0: Well, I was running to the mech. That's
2: right, you were running to the mech, okay.
0: So, and, with the mech. Mech. <laughs> to, to clarify <laughs> exactly what I got, with my rolls, I had 3, 3, 4, 7, and 8. So I used the 2 threes to make a set of, of 2, so rank 2. Method and Monkey motion, which had cost 7, rank 2, so make my rank 4. And I had Mastery and Agility, so that's rank 5 uh, at set of 3. you are blazing over there. Okay. So, so um, <laughs> now I was going to say, um, I see that I've got Awakened Chakra, uh, which is obviously from Slumbering Chakra. Does that mean that it's already awakened, or would I need to awaken it? Um, <laughs> if you, actually, I don't it okay, says okay. awakened, it may have been meant to be put in there as Slumbering for me to awaken it. Which get that up? I think yeah, initially they were
2: all they were down as awakened, and they should have been slumbering and awakened. No problem. I figured that was likely the case. Well, let's let um, have, have you open it up so you get some more magic go go juice. You have a rank two, or you have a set of two somewhere, right?
0: Well, I had that. I used that for the monkey Oh, so, Okay. Other than that, I've got a four, seven, and eight. So if I can't do anything else aside from running that, perhaps I could put the eight and the seven into my focus slots.
2: Yeah, let's go ahead and do that, and we'll call it a day, and we'll start the next round with you at the compound, so, (coughs) glorious, glorious,
1: so, oh, are we stopping it
2: there? Well, that's the end of that round, Um, yeah, we we can do next, next. do do you want to finish up this last round, because I think he's toast, I think think we can we we have 10
1: minutes, I don't know if that's, uh, is that enough time?
0: I reckon if we focus on it, and I'll try and whip whip us in, in. I think we can, I think be down. Let's, let's, let's do it.
5: Let's try let's to finish it
2: out. Alright, right. we'll do it really quick. I'll do the fast version. So, it's very of the combat, uh, take all your effort dice that are not saved in focus slots, just sweep them off. And then for every uh, open or awakened chakra, just add two more Prana to your pool. In that case, this guy's going to get six.
1: Do, do we roll our, our thing again?
2: Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. At the beginning of the next combat, just pick up all your effort dice and roll them again. Ooh. Now, before, uh, before I do that, I actually have to decide whether or not this guy's going to take one die off. Or if he's going to actually take the injury. He's going to take the die off, because he's got nine to spare. So, everybody gets to roll their dices, and it's round two, baby! I can't lose that much happen one round! Actually, I can. That's just how it goes. <laughs> I've found, in this game, round two is where players really start to realize how tight the economy actually is. Because when you start off, you have a lot of stuff. You know, you've got, like, all the chakra and all the prana and all that. And then round two rolls around, and you're like, oh, I don't have any of that anymore. Uh-oh. Yeah, like, this guy rolled a single
0: set of two. Such a pitiful pull. Okay. So, interestingly, I got a two, a two, an eight, a five, and a three, and I saved a seven, and eight in my focus slot. So I got a pair of twos and a pair of eights. Damn, son, you had to rock and roll
2: Alright, so he is going to bid his highest roll of 9 for his initiatives. Anybody want to try to match him? No.
0: Oop.
2: He's only got the 9, does
0: he? That's his highest one. That's the one he's bidding right now. Uh, um, but, for example, I could bid my uh, set of two twos. for example. Absolutely. In which case, I'll do that to make sure that I go first to try and nick that mech. Alright. <laughs> try to nick the mech. Uh, wow! Your wonderful British idioms. Those are the
2: best idioms. <laughs> Nick, <laughs> Nick the Mac. Nick the Mac. Anybody else want to run or bid uh, for or you just want to roll a d10 to see where you are on the roster after those two?
1: Is he not going to try, try to outbid
2: you. You're I win got,
1: you? I got a seven.
2: Yeah. Seven. All right. Seven. All right. I just want to. So, we put you in the last seven, is that right? Yeah. All right. That's fine. So, let's go. You that really? so, as you are the fastestest. Okay, so you blaze over there through the jungles, leaping from treetop to treetop top, a very Kung Fu fashion. Uh, it looks like you actually got there before they are able to set this completely up. They've got a bunch of felled logs turning into a fort. There's about a dozen, two dozen soldiers here that have the same kind of guard as them. There's also someone directing them, uh, a young woman who's got like a similar outfit to, uh, uh, to Red Tyrant, and she's got like, a punch sword, so it's just this big Blade that's in this little grip thing, and she can punch with it. It's a punch sword,
5: and she's shouting orders
2: to people. In the middle of this whole thing is this gigantic egg. Uh, what this is like this like fleshy thing that's slowly growing over the the broken and ancient injured uh, uh, habit king, which looks somewhere kind of like one of the angels in Evangelion. Like it's a mech, but it's also clearly alive. Like it's got like a heartbeat and organs. All this. It looks like. It's got one more go in it before it dies unless it gets inside of its egg and regenerates. So you have the option both to leap inside the thing and mash the kill button and just see what happens, or just go up there and and stab it in a vital organ and kill it. Both good options, but I'll leave it to you which one you want to do.
0: So it's currently trying to regenerate in the egg type thing. Yep, it's not quite there though. It's not quite there. It's a Havoc King, so as far as I'm aware of these things... They're sentient. They're probably not that. Uh, they're probably hostile as well. Is that correct? They are hostile. Uh, these are
2: some of the things that destroyed the world last time. So, yeah, <laughs> not a, not a good thing to have. They really can't be used for anything but war. Okay, but
0: for example, um, as, as somebody who's like a treasure hunter and stuff, I might have like a bit of knowledge about these kinds of things. You do. Um, would I know of any possibility to be able to control it? So, say, yeah. if I was to protect it whilst it regenerated and then controlled it afterwards, Like, would that be feasible, or would it not be feasible to control it once it's kind of regenerated in the egg? They, they kind of have an imprint that
2: they do. If you leap inside of its skull, you can literally like shove your hands into its brain and imprint with it, which means until you die or it dies, it serves you. Um, okay. Kind of about the same loyalty as a very loyal dog would. Um, it's pretty injured. Uh, if if you use it to attack, it will probably either die or totally exhaust itself and have to go totally into the cocoon. The benefit of doing that, though, is that no one else could use it if you got away. So even if it lived, it would be yours
0: in word and deed forever. Um, I mean, I think I'll probably try an imprint on it. All right. Um. Is it possible to do that and then try and defend it whilst it regenerates, or would I have to, like, kind of use it at that moment? Uh, you, you can do either. You can either defend it as it regenerates, um, well, I'd like to try and imprint
2: and then defend it as it regenerates. Huh. Alright, so, uh, you'll need to both... You'll need to leap up there, and then yeah. you'll have to take at least a, a rank one heart action to totally, like, single your souls with it. Or I guess it'll be a rank one spirit action.
0: Um... In which case, uh, leaping up there, does that seem like it'd be difficult? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing I'd probably have to get past these soldiers and
2: stuff as well, wouldn't I? Uh, one good clean jump would do it. They, they didn't expect you, they're not looking for you, and all of them are busy right now. So they didn't even see you, like, zoom from the treetops over here.
0: So a good clean jump would rank one with a high result be able to achieve that, or would I need to, like, spend a set? You're going to want at least a rank 3
2: to get all the way over there in one clean jump. If you rank 2, you can make it, but you'll probably make noise as you, like, hit lower on the armor pleating. I,
0: I have a rank 2 at 8 uh, left over. Not so, bad. I can think I'll use that for the uh, jump, and then I'll try and use my focused 7 to uh, try and do the heart uh, check. Not bad. Uh, do you have agility mastery? I
2: do have agility mastery, indeed. That makes it rank 3. Fantastic. So, you can jump right to the top, and before anyone looks, just plunge your hands right and be <laughs> with meats and have it awaken. When it does that, when it imprints on you, uh, you get the ability to uh, use its attack, if you want to, its major attack. All of its movement and its weaponry systems, like its arms are online or offline, but its main attack, uh, which is called uh, the Gates of Hell, it opens up its... And just this beam, pure energy channeled from hell, shoots out and blows something up. That's a rank seven destructive force. Uh, it can do it one time. Uh, <laughs> as far as this diagnostic goes, like it's fed into your mind as you imprint on it. As far as that goes, you can do that once safely. It's not going to kill it to do that, and you can do that once, ever until it regenerates. Sure. So yeah, that's a thing you can now do. Okay, Check cool. you out. <laughs> that's pretty yeah. cool but well, really big things like this instead of having instead of paying prana for superpowers usually have a limited number of Lots things time propon- yeah like it, if it's weapon systems are online you can smash with them and that's like a rank 5 uh, smash or you can use a rank, uh, rank 5 or 6 power action to lift stuff up once per arm per round yeah it's right and if you fight it it fights a lot like a normal monster would yeah. so it's got an effort pool in addition to that so yeah
1: Joel, we're going to have to oh, end I'm it sorry. here to, um, to do the, the other podcast, unfortunately.
2: Um, okay, okay. Uh, uh, if you want to end this real quick, do you just want to say that you shoot off its mouth laser and blow this dude up? Because, yeah. Yeah. 70 damage would absolutely kill him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Why don't I, what I uh, aim it?
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, he's in. Don't shoot a beef. Okay, so they ended up, uh, the beam launches out of this thing's gaping maw, s- uh, sears across the intervening distance, smashes through the mountain uh, that this guy made, hits him dead on, and he explodes in a giant uh, uh, mushroom cloud of shrapnel and bone. You <laughs> guys, of course, are unaffected because he was able to aim it with precision. Go have it, King. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Such is the end of the red time. tyrant. Such- <laughs>